What's up, everybody? Welcome to Game Face episode 26 right here on Sifted Games. Want to apologize for the late start on the live stream, but today LA's traffic kicked our butts, something serious. I got here late. Matt actually got here early for you today. Yeah, I, I made it through, okay, but it was still bad. Yeah, it was really bad. I got here late. Our TriCaster guy just got here in the nick of time, so we, we were right under the bell, but we do have the show ready to rock for you guys, and it is a good one. Uh, there are so many topics for us to talk about today. Finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> it's so many games coming out, so many topics to talk about. It is uh, It's going to be a great show, so... First of all, there's a couple things we want to talk about that we don't have really room in the Big Six for. Uh, the first is the PlayStation 4 price drop. So we heard about the one in Japan, and that kind of brought the price of the Japanese unit down to the cost of the American unit. So we kind of assumed, well, it's not doing so well in Japan. Probably they're just bringing it to parity with the mm. U.S. Oh, no. They dropped the price in America oh. by 50 bucks. I can't believe it, Matt. I honestly cannot believe it. I don't I've see never, why they would need to do that. I've never seen a console in a leader, leading position the way that console is drop the price. It's always the guy who's in second or third place mm-hmm. that blinks first and drops the price. And I guess some people could say Xbox did drop its price, but not really. Or leaving out Connect. Yeah. Right. I guess that, but you're leaving out something most people didn't want anyway. Right. So <laughs> It was more like dropping it to the price it should have been. Right. And so, $50 price drop for the PlayStation 4, I mean, that's like putting the foot on the throat, basically. Yeah, especially with the various bundles you'll see this holiday, and you'll get... Yeah, I don't, I don't know where you go from here. If yeah. You're, if I, you, that, that makes the... If you're deciding between one or the other at this point, like, and, you know, all things being equal, like, that's a pretty good incentive. I mean, it already kind of was a no-brainer, because you can see where things are headed already with both mm-hmm. of those machines. I mean, look, honestly, for Q4... Xbox One is a much better lineup than PlayStation 4, yeah. but if you pay attention to Japan and you look at like the, the games that are being announced there, there's no games being announced for Xbox One. It's always PlayStation 4, and maybe they toss in the Vita in there as well. So you, the writing's kind of on the wall as far as like two years from now, software-wise. PlayStation 4 is going to be probably the vastly superior platform to own, and now there's really no reason to not own one. It's... Uh, I don't know. Microsoft is going to have to drop the price. I, I yeah. mean, they have to drop the price now. And again, this is good for everybody. Now, if you guys haven't bought an Xbox One, you'll probably be able to get one a little bit cheaper. Uh, if you haven't bought a PlayStation 4 yet, which I would be really surprised if anybody watching this show, particularly live, does not yet have a PlayStation 4, uh, now's the time to leap. It's not mm-hmm. a great Q4 lineup, but there's already enough games kind of in the PS4 backlog to keep you busy until yeah. the stuff really starts It'll coming be out. There. Oh, yeah, next year is going to be amazing yeah. for PlayStation. And if you haven't played Uncharted, like 80% of the PS4 user base... Well, that's what Naughty Dog says, but... Yeah. It could be. I mean, they got a lot of people I've to heard come some marketing over. research that bears that out. I mean, they've got a lot of Xbox 360 people to come to PlayStation 4. Yeah. So it is likely that 80% of the remember, people who own PS4 never played it. And remember, the Uncharted's don't really burn the sales charts yeah. up. Yeah, you know? like they do well enough they to They do well, but they don't, and... like... They're not a ubiquitous kind of game. So, like, I can see tons of people haven't played them. And if so, if you haven't played an Uncharted game, you should really get that Uncharted collection this week. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, all three games in one. I mean, yeah. I wish I could have waited all this time to get those I three know, games. get all that at once is crazy. <laughs> it is. You'll be playing until probably the end of the year yeah. trying to get through those games. So no multiplayer in any of them, which is a little weird. But uh, 
Still, great mm -hmm. campaigns for all three of those. The first one's wearing a, looks a little threadbare at this point. Yeah, but they brought it up a little bit, yeah. and I think they've they've kind of added a lot of the the gameplay and aiming improvements from the other two. They've incorporated that into the, the... graphical improvements are amazing, yeah. man. Like, there's some comparison videos up on Sif that you guys should watch. That the work that they've done on that those, that remaster is probably one of the yeah. best remasters ever. In Especially my for the first, I mean, the first one. The first one really did look pretty creaky on PlayStation Three after two and three. For sure, yeah. but uh, they've brought it up to par. I would say looks I mean, great. It's not. It doesn't have anything like as impressive as like the train sequence in two or the ocean liner sequence in three. But like it, it looks. It can stand along those two and not look out of place. For sure. And the other game we wanted to talk about before we jump into the big six is Rock Band Four. Now. I had really thought we might do like a really long conversation on this game, like in, on some episode of Game Face, mm -hmm. but there's nothing to talk about, Matt. No. I don't, have you played it at all? Have you been fiddling around with it or anything? Uh, no, my copy actually just shipped today from Amazon. They ran out of Xbox One copies. There is literally nothing to talk about with that game. If you've it's played, Rock Band. and I wish I could say if you played Rock Band Three, then you know what you're getting with Rock Band Four, no, but that's like not Rock even Band the case. Two. It's Rock Band Two. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's nice to have everything moving, for, you know, all the stuff, my DLC moving forward. Because yeah. I have like a thousand songs or some crazy thing like Here's that. Here's the rub with that, though. Is a bunch that, of it won't transfer, I'm sure. Well, no, it all transfers, but the process to do it is completely convoluted and a pain in the butt. Like, it's yeah. very easy on PlayStation 4, but nobody played Rock Band on the PlayStation 3. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So I have this huge library of songs from my Xbox 360 that I had to get over to Xbox One. It was a nightmare doing all what, that is stuff. It, is it like individual downloads? Yep, or? you have to like go through a separate process kidding? for like everything. Yeah, it's, oh it's really bad. So, so just like reserve an afternoon. Yeah. Oh, wow. So basically Rock Band 4 is a non-story, folks. Um, if you liked Rock Band 2 and you want to continue playing more Rock Band, and look, one thing I'll say is that like it's still fun as hell. Oh, like, yeah. I love it. Like I'm... I'm glad it's back, and I missed it while it was gone. Like I, I said last week on the show, you go to parties, and I'm like, well, no one's playing Rock Band anymore. Now mm. we got to stand around and act awkward. <laughs> so I'm glad it's back, but it probably should have been a, a discount discounted game. It should have yeah. been cheaper. Um, the fact that you have to get dongles for your old instruments as well is a bit of a detriment. And but, that uh, it doesn't support the Ion drum kit, which right. is what I use for the drums yeah. on the old one. Lots of drawbacks to it, but we did want to mention it off the top. We're not going to talk about it in a future episode, but it was worth at least mentioning off the top. But now we got that out of the way, it's time to get to the big six. Big game announcement this week, Matt. Yep. Big. and Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft continuing the trend of announcing big stuff pretty close to the release date. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Far Cry Primal was announced this week after a very awkward announcement <laughs> event. So at first they sent us to this, like, page where... Or it wasn't even a page. It was like a live stream on YouTube, which was like these cave drawings. It slowly... Mm -hmm. The camera panned out, and you can see more of the cave drawings. And then IGN Turkey... How does IGN have an IGN Turkey, first of all? Somebody's got to do, do it. Do they need IGN Turkey? <laughs> like, that's insane. It shows you how big IGN is. But anyway, someone from IGN Turkey basically tweeted out the name of the game. Whoops. So the gig was up, and everyone already knew what was coming. And then finally the next day, Ubisoft puts out the debut trailer for Far Cry Primal. Now, first, I was really excited. Like, when that tweet went out uh, from IGN Turkey... I was like, oh my god, it's Far Cry with dinosaurs. Like, I was mm. so flippin' excited. I was like, this is, like, perfect. Like, they they are making the game that I want. It's like the game that I wished Ark Survival Evolved was. It's <laughs> the game that Turok should have become, blah, blah, blah. 
Mm. And then it turns out it's actually not dinosaurs. Nope. It's, it's set. It's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> Sorry. Set, it's set after the Ice Age, which, you know, if you believe, well, you, as you probably should believe, carbon dating and things like that, uh, the dinosaurs were wiped out by the Ice Age. So, Mil- Oh, no, there were millions of years before that. Right. Well, like, wait, the dinosaurs? Yeah. Dinosaurs were wiped out by the, uh, by the, the comet that hit the planet. Well, the I think ice- the common thinking is that the Ice Age is what killed the dinosaurs. No, the Ice Age was millions of years later. Well, there, I think are, there are many Ice Ages. I think that's up for debate. But anyway, so regardless, this game is set 10,000 BC, way the dinosaurs are already gone. So you don't have dinosaurs. You have woolly mammoths. You have saber-toothed tigers. Disappointing to me. Giant sloths. Because here, yeah, because here's the real problem is that, like, the last Far Cry kind of had all these creatures already. Sure, they were an elephant instead of a mm. woolly mammoth, and they were a tiger instead of a saber-toothed well, tiger. It's a lot easier to reskin, isn't it? It is, yeah. And so, <laughs> at first, when I heard about the game, I was like, how do they have this game ready to go already? Like, especially considering it's, like, this brand-new concept in this well, brand-new setting. It seems like the, the, um, the Blood Dragon equivalent for 4, basically. Yeah. Like, they, we made, like, this weird little one-shot game using the same assets and engine kind of thing. It is. And so... I was initially really excited, and then it was kind of dampened a little bit when I found out what the actual time period was. But now that I'm, more, I'm thinking about it more, I'm excited for the game again. Like I, first of all, I really love the last two Far Cry games. I thought they were great, and Blood Dragon I thought was great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the open world concept. What I love most about these games is the whole ecosystem and how you can mess with it, how there's like a food chain and animals that should be eating, and the other animals will attack those animals, and you can actually use that in gameplay to your advantage. And it's, it always is a little weird when you come up to an encampment and there's like a tiger in a cage. Yeah. And they're like, why do you have a tiger in the cage like by your encampment? Like, well, you're just asking for it. Well, we keep there, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, how are you feeling about it, Matt? Are you excited about it? I mean, I love Far Cry. Like, any more, more Far Cry, I will play Far Cry. I am curious about how, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess you're using bow and arrows at this point in the Stone Age, so... You know the core Far Cry gameplay is intact. I mean, it's, you know, you mostly use I mostly use the bow anyway. Yeah. Uh, it looks to me like on that little poster thing that maybe you get maybe you tame a saber toothed tiger. Yeah, because point. it looks like he's like walking as your yeah. ally, basically. Yeah. So yeah. I'm into that. Like I think that'll be cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like the idea of kind of this. You know, I, I'm I'm still a little upset that BC never happened. Yeah. So I do kind of wish there were some dinosaurs. You know, I wish they got maybe they got a little crazier with it. But like, I mean, look, it is a game that has some kind of mystic properties to it, and maybe yeah. a little bit of a supernatural bent to it. So there is a possibility. Or they're that at least you like could... snorting peyote or something. Yeah. Yeah, other... <laughs> right, like they did with Far Cry Three or whatever yeah. to kind of bring the supernatural into it via drugs or whatever. Right. So there is maybe a, a faint possibility that there might be dinosaurs in this. Yeah, there's some halluc- yeah, hallucinatory dinosaurs. Right. I mean, you've got the, the dragon models right. from Blood Dragon. You yeah. might as well use those for something. For sure, yeah. And then my other big concern about it is that, like, obviously there are no guns. Because right. 10,000 Unless PC. this game is very different than right. we think. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what they said is there are blades, there are clubs, and there's a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, the bow and arrow in the prior Far Cry games was, like, something I just kind of used to screw around with. Like, it wasn't, like, a weapon that I chose or a weapon that I felt like I was effective really? with. Did you use the bow a lot? I probably used the bow 90% of the time. How come? Because it's quiet. They don't yeah, see me coming. I uh, guess so. And, I, I mean, by the time of Far Cry 4, like, after so much of Far Cry 3 and Blood Dragon, I, I could, like, I can headshot a guy from, like, 200 yards. I mean, yeah. Once you get kind of the, the drop... 
you know, the, the drop rate as, yeah. as you know, as the arc of the bow. Like it is so good. It is, and it, there's nothing more satisfying than just sinking that into a guy's ear. Well, I like, guess for you, the game won't change at all. Then not really, I mean, <laughs> unless you know. I feel like there's probably going to be some kind of progression. You know, they they love their their upgrade system, so I figure there's probably going to be a progression system where like. You know, you start with like the stone arrow tip or whatever, and like you have to upgrade to like the obsidian one before right. you can really do actual damage to yeah. stuff. You know, so we'll see. And I'm, I'm interested to see kind of if they go into like you know traditional, not traditional, but like historical mammoth hunting techniques. Right. Where like one of the things they would do is they would wait for herds of mammoth to go through like little canyons, like little like you know like narrow passage pathways, and they'd roll boulders like off to off the of side, the cliff. and they'd roll a boulder off and crush the back of the like a, the, right. the last mammoth. And basically crush it and paralyze it so it couldn't move, and they'd go down and stab it to death. And oh that's gosh! How, that's how they'd hunt mammoth. Right. Human humans are uh, we're, da- we, we're, we're quite dangerous. resourceful. When we're resourceful, we're but we're also like <laughs> there is no animal on earth that can keep up with us endurance wise. Like we are the best long distance runners. We are the we we don't need sleep. We can push up. You know that's what we that's a basic way of killing is stalking, and you just like injure an animal and just follow it until, until it, it can't dies, go any yeah. further. And that's why one of the reasons dogs are. I don't think that would make a great video game, though. Probably not. That's like the (laughs) desert bus of uh, of Far Cry games. That would be. Yeah. It's like all right, wound the deer. But here's the other thing, though. Now walk. Yeah, exactly, and follow. (laughs) Twenty four hours. (laughs) Now here's the thing. Like the trailer shows, like teams hunting the mammoths. So that makes me wonder if there's some kind of a cooperative element here, where you work with other people online to actually hunt. The mammoth. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. It does make sense, but there's a lot of co-op stuff that makes sense that ultimately never pans out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll I mean, obviously, about a game. No, nobody's going to be driving the Flintstone car while <laughs> you hunt out this. Like, that's the thing is, like, I wonder how much Far Cry can really make the transition when you don't have machinery and vehicles and hang gliders. And I mean, it's like, are you? I wonder how crazy. Like, will you get like a you know like a, a hang glider made out of like wood and animal skin or something? Like, probably not because they yeah. seem to be going pretty legit with this. But I wonder how much of like. Like, are you going to be able to, like, maintain my interest for, like, 30 hours if I'm just clubbing and That's bowing? the fear. That is definitely the fear. Yeah. Is that there's just not enough context or subject matter here to bolster a game for for that period of time. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm nervous about that, without a doubt. But I'm also excited because I think I'm still more excited for this than I would be if they just did a, nut, like, Far Cry 5. Right. Well, because, like, how many games set, like, in this time period do we get? I mean, like none. Nothing. Like a, <laughs> at least it's something new. It's still, you know, it's still yeah, it's a it's a spin-off or it's a Far Cry game, but it's like it's different, you know, and and and, and it, coming in February. Yeah, and fast. Yeah. It's like you're not going to have to sit here and watch this thing for two more E3s. It's here. And you're not going to see us talk about it 20 more times yeah. before it comes out either. So <laughs> Uh so I'm pretty excited about it. I guess you are too. Yeah, I I I've loved every Far Cry since 2 basically. So I I I'll play anything they throw at me with that title on it. And new information should be coming fast and furious because yeah. they have literally like a four-month window for their entire marketing campaign. Yeah. So we're probably going to be getting trailers like at least once a week from here on out. And then with a week or two left to go before the game comes out, it'll probably be like every other day or something like that. Yeah. So get ready for the Far Cry Primal Man. media deluge. Throw another game on the spring release calendar. Jeez. Yeah. For real. Some of this stuff better start slipping. No, I'm happy about it, man. As somebody who runs a website, like, you yeah. need it. Like, it's good to see that, like, we're going to have a good, yeah, like... Yeah, that just means that, like, June is going to be awful. Yeah. Well, June's always awful. Yeah. That's vacation time anyway, so... <laughs> it's E3. Right. Let's move on to the next topic of the big six. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. 
we I'm almost mm. to the point where I don't even know if we need to really talk about the game too much because the word's kind of out there. It's a piece of crap. It's broken. Although I will say Dave Lekovich, the guy who evaluated it for us, did kind of find that like the core gameplay is still there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that core is like the core that you got with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 like over a decade ago. So here's the thing. And here's a question we want to ask. Is is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater done? I mean, obviously, he has a contract with Activision, and they mm-hmm. had the contract stipulated they had one more game to release before the end of this year. So, one, that's why we've seen this game be released in a half-baked state. Um, and Just get it out there. Pre- they had to, to fulfill the contract. Otherwise, they're going to pay Tony a ton of money and not get any recoup on that money. So, first of all, you know... We're not going to see another Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, probably, because Activision owns the rights to that, and they haven't mm. renewed Tony's contract. So, you know, that IP, so to speak, with that exact wording, is done for. Uh, at least I feel like it's done for. Yeah. But, you know, Tony does have the opportunity to move on and go work with a different publisher or a different developer and make another game. But the question I'm asking you, Matt, is is it after a game like this, and after Ride and, mm. sh- and Shred... <laughs> Is it done? Like, is there any reviving a video game with Tony Hawk's name on it at this point? Probably not. I don't. I mean, if I were another publisher, I wouldn't want to touch that. Like, the skateboarding thing is, you know, in terms of like the game craze is kind of over. You know, it's like I don't. Fe- I don't know if that extreme sport market really cares anymore to 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 do that one. Especially, well, I don't when- think the, the extreme sports market isn't what made these games popular. What made them popular was that they found a way to make a skateboarding game that everybody wanted to play, mm. and that's what it was. Because there aren't that many extreme athletes out there. I mean, maybe if I were EA, I would sign Tony Hawk and resurrect Skate. You know? I mean, that's our only hope, right? Yeah, because people do have, I think, some good feelings towards Skate. You know, that was a, that was a solid series. Although Skate Three, Skate Three burned was not a lot of bridges. Great, but you know, if you can, if you can take it seriously, if they can, if they can really say, you know, let's, you know, leverage Tony Hawk as the biggest skater you're ever going to get, and like really make it something that people who don't even care about skateboarding, like me, could play and be like, wow, this is a great game. Like I mean, I they could call the it Tony, Tony Hawk's Skate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the average person would not know any difference. They'd yeah. be like, oh, the new Tony Hawk skating oh, sure, game yeah. is out. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? I don't know. Um, yeah, and just, I, it just makes, it does make me reflect on, like, you know, the old days when everybody had a pro murder, you know, yeah. Kelly Slater's pro surfer and wakeboarding unleashed. Right, and, I remember oh, I did, yeah. like, a review on yep. X-Play for that game where I was like, how far are they going to go with this, basically, was the whole concept of the review. Like, what's next? And, and I was like, extreme walking yep. video games? Well, then like, we got emails because they're like, actually, there is something called freestyle walking. Yeah. Like, and people are, like, people are like offended that you thought it was a joke. Like, they're like, yeah, there is a real thing. Like, well, okay, but there's no such thing as extreme tricycling, right? Yeah, like, did, that, that was, was the, the other thing. thing I did, yeah. And I think I was safe on that one. I don't yeah, know. well, maybe not today. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the advent of YouTube, that may be an organized... Indie sport, games but... and Unity, where you can make a game <laughs> with one person and, and a and a wish, basically. Yeah. But those early two thousands days when everybody had their you know all the the you know non traditional sports were trying to jump on that Tony Hawk bandwagon. Well, Activision had a whole arm of its publishing yeah. called O two, which was mm-hmm. like all its extreme sports games because you had like BMX games, you had wake wakeboarding, wakeboarding, <laughs> it's like skitching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, they went overboard, and oh, yeah. like that arm lasted. I think aggressive for, like, online. A, I mean, Aggressive it was inline. crazy. Aggressive there inline. were like four or five inline skating games. Yep. Like, it just got out of control. It was, it was like a the, parasailing game, I think. It was like the PS2 era. Like, yeah. 
And maybe the PS4 can get there to a place where it has so many people that own it that it needs niche games like that. Like, we still have, like, a volleyball game for, like, PlayStation 4. And, like... Yeah. be nice. There's still lots of... I mean, there's... Uh, Dead, Dead or Alive Extreme, Extreme coming. Which isn't confirmed for the U.S. yet. But that's oh, not... Come here. That's not a serious, like, volleyball game, though. That's no. just, like... But like, wouldn't it be great if it was... to look at girls. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was like the best volleyball game ever? Well, they're putting it in VR, and I have a feeling it may, <laughs> it may become the killer app for like PlayStation VR in Japan. Because basically be. you're just looking at these girls in virtual reality, yeah. and I don't so, think there's going to be any porn on PlayStation VR, so that's as close as it's going to get. But somehow, like a direct descendant in some ways of BMX XXX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I forgot about that too. It is crazy how huge extreme sports games were at a certain time, and now we're down to, like, none. Nothing. Like, this was, like, the last hope that really the genre had, this new Tony Hawk game. And And so there was a a time when everyone played Tony Hawk. Not just skater people, not just, you know, gamers played Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is just legend. And honestly, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, the best of the series was 3, because that's where they brought in the revert to manual, which would allow you to link your combos in between objects. And that's when it... That was like the pinnacle. That was before it got too complicated, but it was just in that sweet spot where there's mm-hmm. plenty of depth, but it's not like overwhelming. And then after that, it just got insane. Yeah, like, well, for me, the, the end was when they started trying to make them into stories. Yeah, I don't know. Like I the American they... Underground stuff like just didn't hook me. It was too much busy work without like the you know the, those the old you know one two three and four are just like pure games. Yeah, like, they're like arcade games yeah. basically. Yeah, I mean I actually I I liked Project Eight. I thought that was like Project Eight is probably the best of that type. of that whole yeah. yeah that whole type of Tony Hawk game. So I actually enjoyed that. I mean I you know I used to skate. I skated for mm-hmm. like twelve years. So I have a, a different kind of attachment to these games than probably a lot of people do. Um, and so I kind of enjoyed the whole part of it of like you know being a young skater trying to come up and impress people mm-hmm. and become a pro and all i you know i probably got into it a little more than a lot of people did but but yeah i mean again as someone who skated for a long time and as a personal attachment to that whole culture and scene it's really disappointing but at the same time it's not surprising at all because i knew the developer was sucks like mm-hmm. they sent this franchise out to die activision knew all along activision sent out no review code for this game everybody got it like i mean they did send out code but you didn't get the codes until the day it was released. Mm. And so knowingly, they're like, oh, well, we don't want these reviews to be out there before the game comes out because that'll take away our chance to sell 10,000 copies that we're going to get from people who are ignorant and don't follow things online. So, mm. yeah. I mean, it was smart to call it five. Yeah. I think you're, you're really, oh, it must be the real, fo-, you know, especially in this era of reboots and follow-ups, like, you know, you, you expect the reboot to be kind of of a quality. Yeah. And apparently, you know, no. Yeah, it really stinks, man. I'm pretty bummed out about it. Um, I managed to play the game for about an hour before I gave up. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's just pointless. It's like yeah. it's just like Rock Band 4. It's like, why would I play this newer game that has less features when there's a better game? And sure, it may not mm-hmm. look quite as good, but in this case, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, actually, like the Xbox 360 pretty. and PlayStation 3 games might look better than this game on yeah. PS4 and Xbox One. It's uh, it's it's just sad. I mean, you know, I mean, I played the first Tony Hawk so much the first night that uh, I got it uh, while I was playing at one of my friends' houses, and and my t- car got towed because I was there all night until the morning when it became a no parking zone. Yeah, and we went out and like, oh, my car is gone. Let's go play some more Tony Hawk. Like, yeah. it was just like, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> t- towing towing service will be there. You know, like we like, we're not done yeah. yet. Like that's how good that game was, and it's just sad to see where it's come at yeah. this point. It's, I think it's. I think I, I agree with you. Though. I think it's done. Like yeah. I just, 
I don't see it coming back from this. Like, skate does have a little cachet still, because it was kind of like the more realistic take on skateboarding, mm -hmm. which consequently was one of the big reasons I didn't like it very much. Yeah. Because it was just, like, too hard to do basic tricks. Like, I remember, like, for Skate 3, there was a tutorial debating where they teach you how to do, like, certain tricks, and I literally was stuck on the tutorial for, like, <laughs> 35 minutes, because... It's, like, all determined by where the stick is. Right. And literally, there's so many tricks that it's, like, five more degrees this way is a different trick. And, like, yeah, trying remember, to yeah. do the back up just to ollie and then get your thumb in that exact position and then spin it, it was, like, I got stuck on a tutorial trick for, like, 30 minutes and couldn't do it. It's, like, mm -hmm. to me, that's insane. It, it reminds me of a... Uh, Especially something that you can probably do in real life. Right. Something <laughs> I can pull off yeah. in real life anyway. It takes me back to, like, uh, the whole Amped freestyle snowboarding versus SSX thing. Mm. Like, Amped was realistic, but it was, like, dreadful. Like, it was so hard to do anything in that game, and you constantly lost speed if, like, your edge was just tweaked the wrong way. And, and then there's SSX, which is, like, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. And I don't play games to get frustrated and pissed off. I play games to either kind of check out and, uh, and go someplace I normally can't go or to have some fun. And so... Yeah. You know, I'm not into realistic extreme sports games, to be honest with you. It's like, I just want to pull off tricks I can never pull off in real life. Mm -hmm. That's really what I play them for. So It reminds me of getting stuck in the tutorial for Driver. Yeah. Where I couldn't do the, the reverse 180. And I'm like, yeah, I yeah. can do this in real life. I don't understand why I can't do this <laughs> so enough for you. So easily, yeah. Yeah, any game that makes things in the real world more difficult than they really are, that's where you made a yeah. mistake. Like, anytime you make something more challenging than it is in real life, that's a huge no-no, and yeah. you made a mistake there. So in summary, if you're going to bring back, if someone's going to bring back something, one of those weird games that was still tons of fun from back in the early 2000 days, uh, forget Tony Hawk and bring back uh, Def Jam Fight for New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. I really like that game. And don't have Robomoto to develop your game. No, no, that's. <laughs> I have a feeling that studio is probably going to close after this. You think? Yeah, or unless they move into like mobile development or mobile something development like that. or like you know like High Moon where they just got like relegated to like Call of Duty map maker status. Right, where they're just like they get farmed out for specific yeah. projects or certain games and things like that. So sad to see the series go, but Especially it, like that. Especially like that, going out on such a low note. And sad, it sucks for Tony too, because you know, just out of curiosity, like I popped over to like his Instagram page and like his Twitter feed mm -hmm. and it was really sad because people blame him for this stuff. Man, you think he even had anything to do with it? Like it's just I mean, he was obligated to do marketing for it. You know, it's written into his contract that he had to go and, like, do interviews for the game. And you can't sit there and be like, the game sucks, guys. Like, yeah. seriously? Like, keep it on the DL, but, like, it sucks. Like, you have to sit there and be like, yeah, I worked really hard trying to make this the best game I could. Which is true. He probably did. But you but can't... there's only so much he can do. He's one guy, and you have to... And, you know, that team has no... Pet I mean, just the fact that Activision gave it to that developer after Ride and Shred... Mm -hmm. I mean, it shows that they didn't care. Because those games reviewed terribly, they sold terribly. I mean, Activision took a bath on those peripheral skateboards that they made. Like, it just shows that they didn't care and they were fulfilling the contract and whatever. Yeah. So, Activision kind of killed it, in all honesty. As soon as they took uh, Neversoft off of that franchise, that was the end of it. Yep. That was it. They Never, made Neversoft great Neversoft was the heart of that, for They sure. really were. And once they were taken off, that was it. So, rest in peace, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. It sucks. We hardly knew ye. No, I knew you well. <laughs> and that's what makes it so, so hard. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. Uh, probably a big reason why people may or may not be watching the show right now live. 
Star- I'm surprised I'm here. Yeah. For sure. The Star Wars Battlefront beta is live right now. It went live at 1 p.m. Eastern today for everybody. You don't need a special invite or anything. Just go to your uh, dashboard on your PlayStation 4 or your Xbox One, and uh, there it is. You can go to the store there, and you can download the beta, and you can start playing really quick. One thing I will say is that I downloaded this beta for PlayStation 4 lickety-split, man. Yeah, it was fast. I don't know if, like, EA slid them some money for, like, (laughs) servers or something like that, but holy cow, it downloaded in, like, literally, like, five or ten minutes for me. Which no is problem. great. And so, basically, it's, it's pretty limited what you can play. There's basically two modes. There's, there's Walker Defense. Is it Walker, Walker Defense? Assault. Walker Assault. I had it reversed because you do play the other role in that mode. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a, basically a King of the Hill mode, a team-based King zone. of the Hill yeah. called Drop Zone, where they drop like these pods from the sky. Both teams scurry to the pod. <laughs> Fight over the pod. Once it's finally captured, another pod comes from the mm-hmm. sky. You play to five pods. Yep, and the first team to get five pods wins the match. So, Matt, you've actually played... You played this a couple weeks yeah. ago before... And there's also now. mission mode. I actually have not even tried that yet, so maybe you can fill That's in... That's just... It's like horde mode on Tatooine, and, like, you can only play, like, six waves out of, I think, 15 in the final game, and only on easy. But basically, it's it's just horde mode. They, they send waves of stormtroopers at you, and you have to kill them all, and... And like capture some escape pods that give you like, you know, bonus weapons and stuff, which you generally then use to take down the scout walkers that come in. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's pretty it's fine. You know, I'm sure it'll be more fun when you can play uh, like harder difficulties. Yeah. Oh yeah, because easy. I'd imagine yeah. you probably finish that with no problem. Oh yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's kind of depressing. How many players can play together in that? Uh, two players. Two play- Oh, just two. Yeah. Interesting. Two player co-op online or split screen. Okay, split screen. Yeah, Yeah, some couch co-op there. Yeah, and it looks like, from the menu, it looks like you can do all four planets, so. So, let's talk first about Walker Assault. Mm -hmm. What's your impressions of that, Matt? Oh, I love Walker Assault. It's it's 40 players, so 20 on 20. Um, And the basic way it works is, uh, so it's the Battle of Hoth, and two AT-ATs are walking inexorably towards the shield generator, and the way, and they're invincible. Like you can't. Dis- well, they're invincible. So, what, but but what the rebels have to do is they have to activate these uplinks. And if the uplink bar fills up, it activates a targeting lock for a Y wing. And if you get enough of them, the Y wings come in and hit the walkers with ion bombs, and that makes them vulnerable. So then the rebels are supposed to like concentrate all firepower on the on the walkers. And if you can destroy the two walkers in that fashion, and then like they they get de you know the ionization thing ends, you have to activate more uplinks, and then the Y wings come in again. So um, if the rebels can destroy the walkers before they get to the shield generator, the rebels win. If the walkers survive to get to the shield generator, the Imperials win. Here's my biggest complaint about that mode: there's no, there's nothing that tells you how close the adats are to being destroyed. There's no like visual feedback. Like they don't. Yeah, there is. I didn't see anything, man. I up saw in, no smoke coming out of them or like anything. Oh, that's, it's not the Walker Assault. Up in well, yeah, that's true. Like the they don't like they actually do steam at the top of it, but you can't see it from the ground. Um, so the only way to tell is like they've got the little icons in the upper upper top of the screen. Yeah. And like they have the life bar is the is a red circle around. Yeah, yeah. Them. I can tell like, like, how much health like they had, but like there's no visual cue. Like at a glance, like look. This game is pretty fast and pretty crazy, and sometimes you mm-hmm. just glance at the AT-AT to try to figure out like where where he is. And like I had problems. Like there's a lot of times where like we took down the AT-ATs and I had no idea we were even close to like taking them out. Mm-hmm. Like, 
But otherwise, it's a pretty unique mode and pretty fun. Yeah, it's a little bit like the rush modes in uh, like Bad Company, the Bad Company yeah. games, where you kind of because you kind of move down the battlefield as the as the walkers kind of stomp across. Um, but it's uh, it isn't quite like anything I've ever played, and it's it's been interesting the last you know. Uh, day or so to watch people slowly sort of figure out how it it's works. It's complicated. Yeah, well, especially because the Re- like the rebels are really outgunned on the on this yeah. in this thing because the, the adats are very powerful. You've got scout walkers running around. The trick yeah, there's ATSTs as yeah. well, not just adats. Yeah, the trick is um, the rebels really need good air power, air support, and so like when the so basically you can pick up X wings, Y wings, snow speeders, and when the uh, when the adats get ionized. Uh, the your air force has to go in on them because you like a, like a you can probably take a walker out with like four passes of a of an A wing. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's they're very powerful, especially if you use the concussion missiles. And then uh, if you're in a snow speeder and you pass by an ionized uh, walker, it will give you the prompt to fire the tow cable. And if you can make four laps around the thing, it take goes it down, down like no that. matter how much life it has. As like, it done. should be. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. So there's a lot of options there, but like the thing is, like the imperial options are simple: walk forward, blow everything up. Yeah. The rebel options like require a lot of finesse, and so slowly, I think you're seeing people sort of figure out how to play it as the rebels. Yeah. But early on, it was just like boom, like just like running over the, the rebels. Well, I couldn't would get even flattened. figure out how to like act. When I first couple games, I couldn't even figure out how to activate the uplinks. I would go to the uplink. You got to get so close before that prompt comes up. Yeah. yeah. Like I was standing there, and I'm like. Okay, like what's going? <laughs> Boom, dead. Like mm-hmm. you're, and you're right. You're so you're totally outgunned there. It's like you've got eight adats and ATSTs firing at you, and then you've got like the foot soldiers coming through the trenches at you. Like mm-hmm. it definitely feels overwhelming. Yeah. But I don't think. But what you don't realize is it doesn't take as much to take down the adat as you think. Yeah, especially if you got the air support, or if you pick up like you know the smart rockets. Like smart right. rockets take off almost. Like a like a fifth of to a quarter yeah. of, of their life if you and there's two hard. of them that you have to take down so. yeah um, but it's a really fun mode and I'm interested to see if there are more uh, they were smart to make that one of the modes in the beta yeah I mean that's what everybody wants to see yeah and like and it looks amazing they just look yeah incredible. the game we right off the like, top we should have mentioned the game looks sick like yeah. I'm playing a PlayStation Four I haven't even checked out the PC version in person but the PlayStation Four version looks amazing yeah. like. PC version looks super, like, just crazy. Like, there's, that was nice. Um, there's a couple of places where I'm like, you know what? Like, this looks better than the movies in places. Like, it this, does, like, yeah. Like the, <laughs> like the scout walkers and the and the yeah. and the big walkers are less like, man, that looks like legit. Like, those are amazing. Yeah, amazing the lighting work. in the game is incredible. Uh, it runs at a good clip. Um, yeah, overall, I am uh, really impressed with the visuals in this game, and for multiplayer too, man. I mean, granted, yeah. that's pretty much all the game is. But Solid sixty frames. The whole yeah, time. with like forty guys, like yeah. twenty on twenty, like it's pretty impressive, man. Like getting right down next to like the ATATs, the Adats is like awesome. Like mm-hmm. with their feet stomping around, like it is really close at times. It'll fool your eye into thinking that it's a it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, and they, I'm also pretty impressed by you know they've made the you know. Flying the planes in Battlefield has always been a little sketchy at times. You're just yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. but they've they've really kind of worked out some cool stuff with this one with the lock on feature, where like you hold the left trigger and um, yeah. and you lock on an enemy fighter and like it and so you aren't just firing down the barrel of the of the fighter you're in. Like it will actually target and then you can fight. Which was also a good idea. Yeah, 
For sure. And a lot of times, otherwise, with games, if you don't have that option, you just end up circling each other yeah. in this, like, endless <laughs> loop, and you never, like, fire any guns. Like, I remember Star Fox 64 had, like, a multiplayer mode, and all you ended mm-hmm. up doing was just chasing each other around in circles, and you someone would do, like, the the backflip, and then the person behind it would do the... And it yeah. just became this, like... It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, like who could who screwed up the input first? Pretty much, is what it yeah. came down to, yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about the base gameplay. The other mode, we don't really need to talk about in depth because people have played modes like that hundreds of times. Yeah, it's, ba- it's pretty much basic uh, Battlefield. It's basically control points. Yeah. That's all it is. And so, let's talk about the base gameplay because at the end of the day... This is probably what's most important. What is it like to play the game? Because if you don't enjoy playing it, the best modes in the world aren't going to make much of a difference after a week or so. Matt, how do you feel about the way the game plays? You already talked about the ships Mm. and and how you like how the ships control, but what about the actual, like, shooting and gunplay in the game? I feel pretty good about it. I like it. Um, I... My enjoyment is directly tied to which gun I'm using. Yeah. Uh, I think the gun that the uh, Rebels start with is terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think the gun the Imperials start with the E11, which is the standard Stormtrooper blaster, is pretty great. Yeah. And then, like, the Maxim, I think when you get to, you know, you can rank up to five uh, in the the beta, and I think that's when you get the... um, like kind of the machine gun, sort of like the the longer gun. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Well, there's like you can start as, with an assault rifle. Like that's one of the first weapons that you can select in the beta. Mm-hmm. Like there's the because like if I think he plays the Imperial anyway. The Imperial gets like an assault. Imperial rifle. gets the E11 blaster, which is a really good yeah. like assault weapon. Uh, the rebels have to get I think to level four to unlock that for right. themselves. Um, so that's the first thing I tended to do was get because I I hate that because the uh, there, I even felt it like when I was playing as the Imperials and I'd see like a new guy, a newbie run up and like hit me like five six times with their like like starting weapon and I'd just be like Damn, <coughs> yeah. dead and it's like that's not I'm sorry well, that's yeah. one thing I'm, I, will I say, feel bad guy I killed that way I'm sorry yeah that's one thing I will say is I don't I think they have some balancing work to do definitely and I'm I'm interested to see like you know what the unlocks are and what this what further like abilities and equipment are in the final game because like I mean even even just joining as a new person when it started when the beta started like I was getting just housed by people like well, it's like, not even that you're getting housed it's like they have a gun that takes you yeah, out in two bullets because and they have way better equipment and your gun takes like 50 bullets right. that, Sniped across the map and stuff like yeah. that. You know, like with you know, at one point I played a it walker felt assault. It unfair to me. Yeah, well, I played a, played a walker assault where I, my whole team was like ones and twos basically, and nobody had any way to fight back against the guys that all had sniper rifles. They're all sitting on the we ranch and down. just picking you yeah. off. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering like you know and I'm, you know now I'm level five and I've got my jump pack and all this stuff and everything's fine. But like for a while there it was pretty frustrating and I'm wondering if in the final game. Will that be they dealt with? I Will it be magnified? It. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they have to fix it. Yeah. Uh, because the other thing that I'll say about this game is it is like... It's a casual shooter. Yeah. It's it's not... I, I, and now that I've really played and spent some good time with the beta, like, I really think that the Call of Duty crowd will play this game at first just because it's Star Wars, but once that allure wears off and they've seen all the AT-ATs and they've seen the ATSTs mm-hmm. and they've flown all the ships... I don't think this game is going to have legs with that crowd at all. Like, no. it is just, in my opinion, it is just too simple. There's, first of all, the auto-aim is insane. Like, the auto-aim in this game, literally, you can snap to somebody who's, like, half a mile away with the auto-aim. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. But if you do try to manually aim, it's ve- to me, it's very sluggish and slow. Like, I don't know, I haven't tried to mess with the sensitivity, but mm. on the default setting, 
the aiming in this game seems really slow. And the game in general feels a little slow to me, I guess, if you're not in a vehicle or using something to speed up. Like, just the running speed. And maybe I'm just spoiled by the last few Call of Duty games where, like, speed and traversal has been, like, the mm-hmm. focus. Just It just feels... Like an old game to me, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, it doesn't feel slow to me, but I didn't play Advanced Warfare or anything very extensively. Right. So. And if you haven't played the beta for Black Ops 3 either, then no. you, you haven't played like the faster Call of Duties really mm. that much. And so to me, it feels... A, it's The slow part isn't the biggest part. It's the aiming is slow. Well, and the other thing that I was surprised by that I eventually figured out because of a tip on the loading screen is like I am very used to like Call of Duty-style games where like when you aim, you're more accurate. Yeah, and that's you, not true in yeah, this game. Yeah, that's it, not true. The crouching doesn't help you aim more no, accurately. There's either. no way to be more accurate. Your gun shoots how the gun shoots. And there's no drop in your bullets either. <laughs> well, no, they're like they're light. Yeah, so it doesn't. That is that is an interesting. Even on the like the slug throwers. I yeah, there's no drop. That. Yeah, hmm. that 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 was. I saw that on a tooltip on the screen actually saying oh, that really? there's no drop in the bullets. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, like, when I first started, I had no grenades, and they had grenades. Yeah, the grenade like, thing is just like, oh, my God. I it's like, it. look, every shooter gives you at least a frag grenade when you first start. Like, they don't put you in a world with people with grenades and not give you <laughs> one. Like, that's insane. And, like, so I start thinking about, like, who are the people that are going to really gravitate to this? And it's probably more casual people who just love Star Wars yeah. and want to, and I, they, by all means, they should play this game. They're going to freaking love it. But... Those people are the ones that they need to be thinking about for this game. Like, and I look, they are kind of like the auto aim. I'm sure is their mm-hmm. way of saying, well, the people who are playing this aren't going to be like the big Call of Duty heads, and we probably need to make the auto aim a little more generous for them. And so there's some things where they have made smart decisions for those people, but then there's other ones where they haven't. Like what mm-hmm. the starting loadout and the fact that you're completely underpowered when you first start out compared to everybody else. And you know, a lot wanna, of that come I, down I, to matchmaking and how good their matchmaking is. Because if mm-hmm. you're, but you know, matchmaking always sucks, Matt. Like, yeah, they will never, never really ever get it right. Like, it just doesn't work. No matter how many times I've interviewed developers talking about how much time and effort and research and number crunching they put into their matchmaking, it still always mm-hmm. sucks. Call of Duty's matchmaking sucks, <laughs> still. And it's the industry standard or whatever. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is, like, the casual guy's first-person shooter, which Probably. is smart. I mean, I mean those... Battlefront has always kind of been that a little bit. You know, yeah. It's always been a little floatier, a little looser, a little... More, hey, Star Wars, blasters. Because that's the thing. is like, what is combat in Star Wars? It's blasters, and yeah. it's thermal detonators, and it's, you know, it's lightsabers. Vehicles so like, and lightsabers, yeah. So, like, how do you make... Th- you can't possibly make that as deep as a Call of Duty. I mean, they've, they've, you know, mixed up the different weapons, and different weapons have different uh, stats, and, like, you know, there, there is a give and take on that, but you can only take that so far before you kind of go too far afield to have it feel like Star Wars anymore. But even going back to my point about it being more for casual people, like, the weapons, there's no, like, upgrading weapons or adding mm-hmm. attachments to weapons and things like that to make them perform better. It's not yet. I mean, right. I, I mean, maybe at least what I play, there isn't any of that. Have you seen any of that? In that oh, no, game? no. But I'm just saying in the final game, I don't know if there's something like that. That's kind of a big feature to not put in the beta. Yeah, but they also don't, <laughs> you know, they don't let you edit your character. Right. Or anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how extensive any of that's going to be. I'm also interested to see, you know, if you go in like the the mission section and stuff. There's like a tutorial section, and there's stuff that you can't play yet because right. it's not part of the beta. So I'm interested. Lots of to modes see, that are. Yeah, there's tons of stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see kind of how those mesh. And maybe you know, who knows? Maybe some of those modes will be more the winners than drop zone. Or like, you know, I want to play the fighter squadron mode really badly. Yeah, yeah, but it's for not sure. In there. 
Yeah. Um, we can see them all. It's all teams. Yeah, it's all sitting there right in front of <laughs> the you. The menu shows all so the modes. Not in the beta. I'm just like, beta. oh, thanks, <laughs> you jerk. But I will say, like, despite all this, and despite the fact that I generally like games that are more hardcore as far as shooters are concerned, like, I'm still enjoying myself. Yeah. And it's got that battlefield kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened kind of stuff. Really, Crazy it's stuff just, just happens it's Star Wars. Dude. Yeah. Like, because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like, we were talking before we went went live about, you know, I, w- I went and saw Star Wars in the theater like five times the first Taurus because, as I had pointed out, it's like there was no such thing as, like, renting movies back then. Like, yeah. if a movie came out and you didn't see it like you didn't see it until yeah. it did like another run in the theater or whatever yeah. so a lot of people don't know that like you know back in the day you know pre-vhs if you you might never see your favorite movie again right and like, the it thing might t- never come back to theaters and even once vhs was out there it still took a long time before there were like rental stores yeah. established and movies actually started coming out on them yeah. like really it was like to record tv when it first came yeah. out or to record stuff on your camcorder or whatever yeah. so people used to collect actually the actual film reels yep. of their favorite movies to watch them again because that's the only way you could ever see the godfather again <laughs> right now some of the people on the stream their minds are just going Pew! <laughs> But yeah. that's the way it was. Yeah, and you thought it sucked waiting four months for the Blu-ray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, You would never see the movie no. again. So you would go to the theater and see it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Because you knew once it was out of the theater, your chances of seeing it again were like slim to none. Unless they put it on TV. Yeah. And then, of course, it would be neutered because censorship back then was insane. And it wouldn't be widescreen. Yeah, it well, be, be there was no scan. such thing as a widescreen. Yeah. <laughs> Just cut the sides off. Who yeah. cares if you can see the guy they're talking to? Yeah. So... I guess to kind of sum things up, I am enjoying the beta. I'm mm-hmm. having a lot of fun with it. I think a lot of why I'm enjoying it is because it's Star Wars. Yeah. The audio in the game is absolutely am- yeah. mind-blowingly incredible. Dice is the best, at, one of the best at audio, <laughs> and you combine them with Star Wars, and it's just like what? Yeah, I mean the presentation in this game is sick. Yeah. Like the visuals, the sound, it's just top-notch mm-hmm. Star Wars fan wet dream. I mean, it is. Yeah. And earlier Incredible. today, I killed an ATST with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Yeah. So, uh, you and got it's me. so awesome! Like the first time you like Darth Vader's coming after yeah. you, and like you, or you see him like hovering, Just, like, like stalking over across the, the battlefield. Yeah. Oh, it's so awesome, dude! <laughs> like so, all of that amazing, love it, psyched. But I know eventually that that's going to lose its impact, and what I'm going to mm-hmm. be left with is: Do I like to play this shooter? Regardless of what the subject matter is or what factions there are, it's uh, well, I enjoy the gameplay. And it, in all honesty, like I feel like after a couple weeks with this, I'll probably be done with it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think the thing that could ruin it for me, and that if, uh, like, as you're predicting, a lot of people kind of migrate or, or get just sort of fade away from it. Yeah. And I'm left playing with just like the hardcore people, which might I, be good. I never find that fun though. Like, yeah. The people that just want to like kind of min max and like. Like expl- you know, people that exploit, exploit like weird things in the map to like win at all costs. Like I don't find that. I I, I lo- the thing I love about this game is just you know, the people people swarming over the over the trenches and like you know shooting people down and like things are blowing up and somebody yeah. rammed a Tie Fighter into a into an X Wing and and someone like Kamikaze to Snowspeeder into into a ATST because they couldn't think of any other way to right. blow it up and like. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's just... And there, it's, it is filled with stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And by, as, you know, by Walker saw by the end, like, when they're closing in on the thing, and everybody's sort of packed into this one little sort of open field yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the ad are just, like, raining fire down, and people are just, like, doing anything they can to get those uplinks up. It's, it's great. Like, Here it, is one thing I will say that... Will I, it still be great in, like, two weeks, like you say? Like, yeah. maybe not. Maybe I'll, you'll have seen it all. But, like, for now, like, it is, it is 
all the Star Wars I need until a new movie. For sure. Yeah, and the movie the movie comes out in a couple months. And the one thing I would say before we move on to the next topic is that on some maps, playing on the Imperial side is a huge disadvantage. Because they stand out like a sword yeah, and thumb. Yeah, they're white. Big white, yeah. But, they're, look, but they're, that's pretty good on Hoth. Though. Right. On Hoth, <laughs> they have the advantage. But on every other map in the yeah. game that's not all white, like you are at a disadvantage as a stormtrooper playing on like that craggly, rocky map that we were just showing. Mm-hmm. Like Solace. You stick out like a sore thumb, man. It's like... And if you're playing as the Rebels, like, you got, like, a brown uniform on, standing in front of a brown rock. Like, it's much harder to, like, pick them out. So, that is one kind of caveat. I don't know how they can get around that, though, because, like, all Imperial foot soldiers are white. That's just a dumb thing that they did. Yeah. You know, like, it's like in, you know, or even, like, in Episode 3, the, the, storm, the, the clone troopers on Kashyyyk have, like, green camo armor. But by the time of Return of the Jedi, they're all just wearing their white stormtrooper right. armor in the forest, like yeah. whatever. You know? Again, standing out like a sore thumb yeah. in the jungle. So that's the imperial arrogance for you. The one thing I think I will say though is that like I feel like I'm going to give this game a pass in a lot in a lot of ways as far as like stuff like that because it's just fun. Yeah. And I don't think I'll play this game to like be really competitive at it and begin like like I wasn't pissed off when I lost matches or when I had a bad mm. match where I had way more like deaths than kills like I get pissed if I pick up like the hero thing and someone kills me before I can use yeah, it that's about as far as I go <laughs> but otherwise like I'm just enjoying like being able to have like it's a childhood fantasy to be yeah. able to play a video game based on Star Wars that looks this good like mm-hmm. like Rogue Squadron was like kind of the first taste of that where I was like, oh my god, like this looks so close to the real thing. And, and it's like, pretty much been 14 years since that. Yeah. You know, there hasn't really been an equivalent since yeah. then. Yeah. So look, I'm just going to enjoy this game and have fun with it. Like, I think if you do sort of like compare it to other shooters, it's probably going to end up coming up pretty short, but I'm not going to play it for that. No, like, it's Star Wars. It is. It's a star, It's like a Star Wars, open world Star Wars toy that you can just yeah. dive into and play with and I think as long as people kind of have that perspective towards the game I think everyone's going to have a good time with it yep alright so time to move on to the next topic a little bit of controversy happening in games journalism if there is such a <laughs> thing at this point mm. this is really discouraging because for once a site does actually try to do some real journalism and it turns into a total disaster so Star Citizen we all know this game has been uh, you know, you spent oodles of money on this game already on ships. Not as much as some. But, sure, uh, yeah. but you spent a lot. A few hundred. And look, there's thousands of people just like you who have spent a ton of money on this game. And like we keep hearing all these crazy stories coming out of development. It's been happening like for the last five or six months. And like mm-hmm. he has to keep coming out and saying, no, 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 everything's okay. It's all right. Like this is all bull crap. And, you know, I don't know, these are disgruntled employees or whatever. Well, this week, The Escapist ran a story where it actually interviewed and talked to a lot of people who know know what's going on there and a lot of people who were employed there, and pretty much none of them had good things to say about working at the studio, about the head of the studio, the direction of the game, uh, the quality of the game. I mean, they basically just let loose. And so, Escapist ran this story, and then... The lead developer, what's his name again, Matt? Uh, Chris Roberts. Chris Roberts. So he comes out and was like, oh, this is all crazy, and they don't know what they're talking about. And they were accusing the escapist of getting the information off of a web page where From Glassdoor. From Glassdoor, where basically you go and, like, review employers. So 
say you leave your job, you can go there and you can review that company that you just worked for, and there's really no checks and balances there. No one knows how true any of those reviews yeah. are. Um, I have looked at Glassdoor reviews for like GT, for for instance. Like I've looked at like reviews that people put up there because I used to be a manager there. And I think as a responsible manager, if you want to be able to get some feedback on what it's like working in a place, you go there. And I will say that like most of the reviews on Glassdoor were total bullcrap. Like the people who said that they had worked at GT, the stuff that they said like had never happened there. And like you know, there were probably employees that were let go and were pissed off mm-hmm. and decided to lash out. And so. I can understand where the developers might think that that's what's going on, and because what happened was a lot of the things that the escapists wrote in their story actually did end up on Glassdoor, and so they were saying, "Oh, well, you," they were putting the chicken before the egg, basically, and saying, "Well, you guys just copied and pasted stuff off Glassdoor," which what happened was, at least according to the escapist, is that they talked to the ex-employees first. And then the ex-employees went to Glassdoor and reiterated what they had said to the escapists. So, which is interesting that they would do that immediately after talking to the escapists. Like that's a weird. Either way, that's a strange series of events. Like, why didn't you put that up before? Well, like, maybe it's a scoop thing. Maybe the escapist was like, "Don't put this up on Glassdoor until you talk to us about it first, because then we don't have the scoop. Because if they put it up mm. on Glassdoor, then anybody can go there and grab those quotes and run it in a story. So. Maybe it was one of these things where the employees were like, we wanted to get out there, what happened. And the escapist was like, okay, we'll do that for you, but you have to give us some level of exclusivity on this story. And so what we're getting at here is that what happened in the last couple of days is that it's starting to bubble up now that they may actually try to sue the escapist for what they're saying is false reporting. And so the managing editor is a guy named John Kiefer who... I have known for years and years. He he worked at GameSpy. He was like the editor in chief or the managing editor of GameSpy for literally like 20 years. Like he is one of the oldest journalists in our industry, and he is now like the managing editor of games coverage at The Escapist. And I know this guy. I know he's buttoned up tight. I know that he does things the right way. I know he comes from a traditional journalism background. Mm-hmm. He's not mucking around, and so he basically came out and said, look, I'll tell you exactly how we did it and how we vetted all our sources and checked in triplicate on it. I mean, basically the whole thing, according to The Escapist, is completely buttoned up and legit. And despite what Mr. Kiefer wrote and said about what happened, still, they are like, oh, no, 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 we're going to get you guys. And so, Matt, is this the right tact for the developers to take? No, because they have no shot. Yeah, I mean... Um, Here's the thing. In order to actually win that case, um, what are we? Oh, is it Cloud, mind, Cloud Imperium? Have, is yeah. that their? Like, they, Cloud Imperium has. To, they have to prove that the escapist ran that story, knowing it was false. Right, and, and you will did it never. I believe. Yeah, and, and and did it intentionally to to injure Star Citizen. Yeah, and you will never ever ever prove that. I mean, you there's could. No, you, there, but there's no way. Like, there, like, there, like there's no... There's, They'd you, have to You would have to email. be in such bad faith, and there would have to be so much of an email and paper trail of, like, we're going to get these guys, and we're going to do it by, like, making these things up, or, like... I mean, I don't even know how you go... I mean, They'd I have to subpoena their email, and they would have to find communications between employees where they literally colluded. Specifically... Yeah. To hurt their company or their game, you have to I find do not, an email that says we're gonna get those fuckers. Or and whatnot. I do not believe 
that I mean it never happened. No, I mean the escapist, like you know, whatever you think of them as an outlet, like I don't think that's their mo. No, there's no know, way. I, so why would you? Know, and why would you invite that kind of thing? And um, for for hit, like it's like is 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 Star Citizen really news in that regard? Like I don't think that's like a big hit thing. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, rumors have been coming out about that game for the last yeah. year about what it's like to work there. And, you know, and, and Chris Roberts says, you know, this stuff isn't true, or this is this this is what this is, and these guys don't, you know, these guys are too low level to really even know anything that's happening at the high level of the company and all that. And maybe so, maybe not. You know, I, I'm I am willing to believe that Escapist really did talk to these people who really did say these things. Are they true? Do they matter? I don't know. You know, well, like, the, like truth, I think, the truth of the matter is that it's probably a lot of it's embellished. I yeah. mean, they probably are just grown into ex-employees who are unhappy. But if, that if the head of go. HR really is Chris Roberts' wife, like that's that's bad. It is bad. Like that's yeah. you. You've got a weird situation and that's black there. or white. Yeah. Like there's like there's no there's no interpretation there. No. Either she's the head of HR or, or she's she isn't. not. Right. <laughs> you know, and that goes beyond like the implicate. You know, they they imply they you know the people insinuating that she'd said racist things or they yeah. refused to hire people for racial reasons and all. I mean, that's that's really bad. But again, that just comes down to hearsay. But if his wife really is running that, then that's not how you should be Run running your, your company. Yeah. Like, that's, like right there, I mean, right there, it's that keeping it all in the family is what it is. Yeah, and like, how can you be? How can you feel okay going to them with a problem with management when management is married to the person you're supposed to report that to? It doesn't make any sense. How do you go to HR to complain about your boss when HR is the boss's wife? Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. That's crazy. It's just bad form, like really bad form. I mean, in, in, in the end, a lot of, you know, this has really kind of started to focus on these weird little like managerial issues where in the end, you know, I don't see a lot of stuff in the development process that people are talking about that would necessarily be all that unusual in a normal, you know, moderate to troubled production that we just wouldn't hear about because there's not as much contact with the community because they're trying to be transparent with stuff because they've taken 85 million dollars from the community so like you're trying to be a little more trans you know but the, but then that inevitably leads to like oh what are they doing what are they doing with his money what are yeah, they doing yeah. and it's just like well it looks like you know judging by the gamescom footage it looks like they're making a game they are making I mean, a game frankly, yeah. i mean i don't know if it's going to be any good i don't you know that's the thing it's like i feel like this thing's going to launch day one and it's going to be pretty much the bare bones functionally what they promised, you know, it's going to be Squadron 42, the single-player kind of like Wing Commander-y thing, and it's, you're going to have the massively multiplayer kind of Elite Dangerous style thing, um, you know, functional but not very robust, kind of like Elite Dangerous was. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you fly around, you go, you could trade stuff, but that was about all there was. Yeah. And like, you know, all this other stuff because they're treating it like kind of an MMO th- like platform. Uh, all this other stuff is going to roll out. Over the course of months and years, and I, you know, I, I just wonder like, how much of the of the donation base of the fan base of the user base is expecting this game to be the greatest thing ever made on day one? Yeah, and how many of them understand that it's going to be a process? I don't think any of them are going to understand that. Probably not. (laughs) I really don't think so. But as someone who is, you know, is a backer, is a donator, does have a hangar full of six or seven starships with lifetime insurance. Like, I want it to be great. I just hope that happens. Event, you know, it's like I, I, if it's not the greatest thing I've ever played on day one, I'm not going to lose my mind. But I think some people will. I think some people definitely will. Here's my um, issue with this whole thing: is that it's kind of what I said off the top. It's like 
It's really hard to find real journalism in games journalism. Mm -hmm. And here, to me, was a case where an outlet actually did some legitimate reporting and some legitimate investigating and then ran it and vetted it and triple-checked all its sources and did everything by the letter, at least according to them, by the letter of the law. And look, if someone's threatening to sue you, you don't go out and make false statements, by the way. So Mm -hmm. I put a lot of faith in John Kiefer that what he said is true. So it's just all these other outlets are sitting around watching this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, so the escapist ran a story, and now they may get sued, and this guy has $85 million. Probably not. I mean, he's probably just doing it to try and save face. But the bottom line is... I think one of the things that happened here was... uh, like embarrassed. Stars, well, they're embarrassed, and Star Citizen was ready to counterpunch hard after the Derek Smart fiasco from a few weeks ago. Yeah, and that the counterpunch we just ended up being misguided, I think. Yeah, towards well, an outlet. Well, to the to the point that the escapist even flat out said Derek Smart was not one of our sources. Mm-hmm. Like, which goes to say, like you know, that's I think that really was kind of an unspoken center of some of this was like, you know, the Star Citizen guys were already sort of like. On the defensive about that, you know, yeah. even though you know, I I don't, you know, Derek Smart was kind of was accusing them of very similar things as these ex employees said to the escapists. So which add some credence to the stuff that he said. Yeah, I mean, and they and they got real nasty towards you know in their statements you know denying Smart's allegations. They got real nasty towards him. They did, um, yeah. Not entirely wrong in some cases, but like still like so like it crossed what you would probably consider a professionalism line for sure. Yeah. Um. And so, especially from the guy who is apparently Star Citizen's legal counsel himself. Yeah. Uh. Usually, you don't get into the name calling if you're the legal counsel for a major corporation. Yeah. But um. That's the thing, though. I feel like this whole team that's working on this game is just flying by the seat of its pants. Like I feel like. They're like, holy crap, we just got $85 million. What the <laughs> heck do we do with it, man? Like, when you have that kind of money managing, like, you know, some of the allegations were like they're just blowing through the money. Mm-hmm. That they're spending it stupidly and they're wasting it on stuff they don't need to spend it on. And, like, you know, when you give somebody money who hasn't really had that kind of money, mistakes generally yeah. end up getting made. I just don't, you know, it's like I don't want to believe that the guy who made Wing Commander is naive or ignorant enough to have that happen to his project, especially because I want that project to be good. For sure. But yeah. I think after the debacle of uh, 38 Studios and Kurt Schilling, like, I can't... All bets are I off can't, Yeah, I can't discount that as possible. Maybe maybe yep. that is what's happening. Yep. You know, I don't know. Like, there's no way to know. Like, it's their word against... Is their word against the escapists or their ex-employees or Derek Smart or whoever... And like, there's no way to know for sure what happened or you know who's right until that game comes out and we play it and it's good or bad. And there's other examples like Silicon Knights, like you know yeah. they were mismanaging money that the Canadian government was giving to them, yeah. like or the the Gearbox Alien Colonial Marines thing. I mean, look, like, there's plenty of examples of stuff like this going on. And so you know, you probably have a little more faith in the people behind this project than I do. But I mean, they've made some of my favorite games of all time. You know, Chris Roberts has made some of my favorite games of all time. So I can't. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it's hard for me to believe that this would be one giant But you've never worked scam. with him? I haven't. Or for him? No. And until you do, you never really know? Nope. You don't know. So, bottom line is, you know, it, one, it was a really stu- a stupid decision on the part of the development team and, and Mr. Roberts to do this. It, it's not going to generate any positive momentum mm-hmm. for your game. It's not going to change anybody's mind. No. People have made their minds up now. They've heard from... I mean, the escapist said that they had like five or six people talking to them that basically corroborated the reports that 
came out before. And so you're not changing anyone's mind on this. So one, why why are they doing this? Why are they lashing out? Maybe maybe it's all marketing ploy, Matt. They're <laughs> just trying to generate some interest in the game because it's been in development for so long without all many swag. updates. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I my thing. I don't understand why they're responding to this these kinds of allegations in the first place. Because like, look, dude. Like the community already threw ninety million at you. Yeah, almost. I mean, like, how much more faith do you need? Like, we're we're in. Like, yeah, it's like I don't know what else you want, bro. Yeah. Like. Like, who cares yeah. what, about a bunch of disgruntled ex-employees? Because we've all worked places where somebody left, and then, like, yeah. we saw them later, like, well, I hated blah, blah, blah there, and I hated this person. I, look, it, it's human nature. This stuff yeah. happens. Like, so we all know that. We've all worked in jobs where people have left, and they were unhappy, and we've seen what ha- what's happened. Like, the whole thing just seems really childish. Yeah. And also, like, okay, let's say, every, let's say, hypothetically, everything in the Escapist article is true. Let's say, like, it really is... Horribly mismanaged. They have like which probably seventy five yeah. percent of it probably is. They have three million dollars left. They're they're going to be financially broke by January. Like it's all you know everything's falling apart. It's all going crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Like, what what do you think? What should they do? Like what what like what's the call to action on this? Like what's well, I think they're like, saying. What are we supposed like, to do? Well, like do we do we demand our money back? Do we like? I think that's what they're saying. They're trying to get the people who invested in it riled up, maybe to make them accountable. Because I don't think they said that they have, like, no money left. I think what they're saying is they're spending it stupidly. So maybe if somebody like you, who's put in a lot of money, or some of these people who have literally put in, like, tens of thousands of dollars into this project, get angry enough... Maybe there's some checks and balances. Maybe they at least reevaluate what they're doing and Maybe, they start spending but, their money more intelligently. But I, you know, as much money as, as I spent or other people spent, like, I understood when I did that that I'm throwing, just like Kickstarter, I am throwing my money into a giant hole. Yeah. And I'm hoping that one Something day a good game flies back <laughs> up at me and hits me in the face. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, I know that I might have been literally, I mean, it's, it's the closest I will ever get to gambling yeah. on, on a large scale, you know, to just like, Putting six hundred on red and see and seeing if a good wing commander game comes out right. of the, out of the roulette wheel. Like that's that's literally what I feel like I'm doing right yeah. now. And it's like I, I don't, don't think a lot of people look at it that probably way. Probably not, but it's like it's not an investment. It's a it's a risk. Well we'll be now with Fig though, right? Yeah, with Fig it'll be different. And like, you know, and that's that's As long like, as you're accredited. Well yeah. But that's another you know, that's a whole other element. I'm sure yeah. that this kind of thing and the rumblings of this which have been sort of Percolating through the industry, through the the development community for a couple of months now. I'm sure that was part of their, you know. Their, I'm sure this is exactly what Fig was hoping for. Yeah, for a, a big high-profile project like this to come crumbling down, and not that it is crumbling down, yeah. but certainly I feel like confidence has been compromised a little bit in the project. A little bit, but I still say that like if you look at that Gamescom video. Like that's pretty much what they said they were going to make. Yeah, yeah, and there it is. But you know, you know I mean, there's a lot more to go. And a it's, ten minute. Demo or whatever. I mean, actually, it was more than that. But still. yeah, but I'm you know I'm willing to to wait and see on these games, especially these space games that I that I wi- I've been wishing for and hoping for a long time. I you know even if they are super troubled projects, I don't know. As long you know, I don't care how troubled something is if it comes out good. You'll care if nobody wants to buy your ships off of you. <laughs> eh, I you know I pledged that money like two and a half years ago. Wow. Like I'm not gonna miss it anymore. Yeah. It's like it's over. It's like that was two, that was like 2012's. You've budget. written that I'm cash over. off. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm over. I'm over it. <laughs> now but anything that comes back is gravy, right? Right. Right. <laughs> and like you know, but it's like it's the same as like No Man's Sky. People keep you know the skepticism surrounding that game, where it's like people keep looking. It's like yeah, but what do you do? And it's just yeah. like you do that. Like yeah. 
Like, if I can fly, you know, it's just like Elite Dangerous. If I can fly around and do some cool shit, like, I'm happy. And I don't need, you know, I hope Star Citizen is not as tedious as Elite Dangerous with the whole, like, all right, throttle up. Okay, now you're going right. four times the speed of light. Yeah. Now, no, bro, no, put the thing in the blue space. No, oh, you overshot the space station. Turn around and go back. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's a little more, it's, it's a little less like that. A little, a little more user-friendly. A little more yeah. user-friendly, but not as arcadey as No Man's Sky. Right. If, if it starts to get hit that like, middle, middle ground, yeah. like, I'll love it. Love it to death. Um, but I need, it, I, need it to, um, I need it to come out yeah. sometime this decade. I think maybe that was part of the point of the ex-employees, was like maybe they're raising the red flag saying, hey, you yeah. know, as somebody who just worked on this project, we're really starting to wonder yeah. if this game is ever going to be released. Look, how about I, let's, I'll lay this one down for, uh, for Chris Roberts and team. Uh, get me Star Citizen before I can buy Kingdom Hearts 3. There you go. That's a fair there, deal. There's your, there's your goal. That like, might be a get, tight race. <laughs> get Star Citizen out before Kingdom Hearts 3. That might be a tight race, actually. Could be. Yeah. But, uh, you know, previously I would have said Last Guardian, but it looks like that might actually yeah, be Yeah, I think that, that's not right even a close cusp. one, I don't think. No. Yeah. But, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3. I think that's a good nebulous, yeah. nebulous far-off year. Yeah. So. It could be 2017. I think it will be 2017. That's probably when Star Citizen will, and by then we'll have forgotten about this, and we'll probably have talked about it on Game Face another five times. So, yeah. anyway, I admire the Escapist for running the story and being a little brave with it, and I hope it doesn't discourage other outlets from doing the same in the future. That's my big concern. Also, on, on our little list here, it's called uh, Star Citizen, the Escapist Controversy, and I think that's what Star Citizen's first expansion pack should be called. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice thumb <laughs> in the eye right there? And then the escapist would sue Star Citizen. Yes. <laughs> and it's a perfect the circle. The circle is complete. <laughs> yep. All right. So it's time to move on. We're going to talk about Transformers Devastation. You guys have seen Ooh. my gamey vow up on Sifted. So you kind of know my opinion on it already. But here's the thing. Matt, if there's someone who's a bigger Transformers fan than me, it is Matt Kyle sitting right here. Uh, this guy, you've been at Toys R Us over the last couple of months getting the toys, like oh, the yeah. ones that have been coming out. You'll wait in line for that stuff. You are probably the biggest Transformers fan that I know, in all honesty. I would be surprised if, if you If there's someone it, yeah. who knows more, yeah. yeah. And you've been playing the game, Matt. What is your opinion on the game? I like it. Um, I also liked it. It's, uh, I think it's a little simplistic. I think it's, you know, as Platinum Games go, it's a little shallow. Um, and I, I, think, I think it makes a kind of a negative first impression in terms of the, uh, the, the city is very simple. It's very circular. It's kind of... You're doing the same thing over and over and over, um, but like once you get into chapter two and you get like in, in the ship underground and like there's like there's a turret section and there's like you got to get through the, the electrified doors and like it, 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 the variety kind of kicks in a little more. So driving I sequences, better. like driving ra- stuff, race sequences, racing, like yeah. You know, and I did also bumped up the difficulty to hard because yep. uh, normal was just normal was easy enough to be boring to me. See, I didn't find it easy at all. Like I here's here was my problem. I was not synthesizing weapons because mm. I went to the synthesize system and I couldn't figure out what the hell it was doing. It's like okay, I combine these two things, but it still stays the same thing, but it has like a little boost and like it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And like basically screw myself out of like this other good base weapon, like change the base weapon into something that became like unusable or something I didn't like because there's really no explanation yeah. of what it. It does. doesn't seem to. It, you basically just pick the weapon you want to stick with, you want to upgrade, and then you pick all the the random crap you picked up to just sort of throw into it. Um, See, I didn't figure that out until like a while into the game that I could mm-hmm. basically just 
make sure the weapon that I like stay the base weapon, and then I can just throw all this other crap yeah. into it, and it'll slowly creep up the abilities. It like, took a while for me to kind of realize that, like, okay, so these D-list, like, dual pistols, no matter how cool they look, they're never going to be any good to me. Yeah, there's so no I reason just, to keep I, I've got, like, two B weapons on, on Optimus, and I just throw everything into them. See, I didn't figure that out until I was, like, halfway through the game. Okay. And literally, if you do not do that, and set the... And then yeah, I literally... The difficulty curve is very much based on synthesizing. Yeah, and it was brutal, dude. Yeah. Like, literally, boss fights, if you're not synthesizing your weapons, you're just chipping them down, yeah. man. And, and me, I mean, no matter what you do, the most of the enemies in this game kill you with, like, a few hits. Yeah, they are... I mean, it's platinum, so it's not, you know, like... I think like three or four hit, even on normal, three or four hits from Devastator kills you in oh, yeah. the first boss. Yeah. Um, but like you know, you got the tools to deal. That's but like, even like the mini boss guys that you fight, like you the, know, I thought the Constructicons individually were harder. Yeah. Than Devastator. Well, they'll hit you and they'll take a third off with yeah. every hit. And so you fight two at once. Yeah. And so like for the first half of the game, like I was struggling because I wasn't upgrading my weapons, mm. and like literally it was like they'd hit me three times, I would die, and I'd have to hit them like. Four or five hundred times to kill him, yeah. and so it was like. And the crazy part is, it made me really good at the game because I was literally like, I was a master. Like mm-hmm. I could chip them down and kill them before they could hit me three times. And so, and then you know, the other part of it too is that like, there's if you destroy objects like cars, like you can get health from them that way. And it took a while before I figured that out. Like, yeah, you're constantly gathering the stuff in this game. Like, that's yeah. that's interesting. Like, the game does a bad job of telling you what yeah, to do and how to play. Well. That's the that's one of the that's my one of my biggest issues I have with this game is it doesn't tell you what the hell's going on and how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't. I mean, the game itself is linear, and there's yeah. always a waypoint to follow. It's not that you never know where to go or what to do. Basically, it's kill whatever's there. But that's and, platinum, like in yeah. a nutshell. It's like, yeah, here's a bunch of game systems that we're not going to tell you how it works, kind of thing. You'll figure it out halfway through, and you'll be like, oh, that's... That's exactly you. what happened to me. Yeah. So I struggled, but then it was funny, once I started synthesizing weapons, like, within, like, two or three, like, small missions, because then I just took all these weapons I had and just dumped them all yeah. into my... Like, literally, I was already, like, outstripping, like, the enemies. And that was also... Early on, like, I, for whatever reason, like, there's the thing where Wheeljack can, like, Use like your credits to like make new like uh, tech or whatever, yeah. and like I was like, oh, it's one of those like bouncy things. I'm good at those, and I just like I made like five like gold items that like yeah. boosted like my health regen or like all this stuff, and I stuck them on everybody, and like they were like godlike for the next. I did chapter. that. I couldn't tell any difference in the when I put those items on my. Like I, I got a couple of good things off of it. Like, really? Basically, things that like boosted my um like your they have the um the individual ability. Like like uh, like sideswipe can like do the backflip or the the dash or whatever. Like they're supers like, basically, where you click both sticks. You mean? No, there's like they have each one has like I think it's R one is uh, their individual ability. Oh uh, so yeah, like, yeah. Like the like, I think prime like there's like a dash punch. I don't I don't remember. I've only used. Well, it's it. not R one. R one is the is like focus. That's focus. when you like dodge. Oh, that's it's right. L1. So it's L one. Yeah. L one is their character ability. Yep. In addition to their. Super move, yeah, and so like that made that bar fill much faster, which like made sideswipe much more effective. Yeah, I mean, just... I honestly just use Optimus Prime like the whole game. Prime is I haven't I haven't gotten a Grimlock yet, uh, yeah. but Prime is definitely the best. So I played far. Grimlock for a while just because I love that character. Yes, yeah, but after I played with him for like a couple of missions, I was like, he sucks. Like, <laughs> I just went right back to Prime. Prime like, Prime is the best so far for sure. Yeah, he he remains that way pretty much. Like all the other guys have like a deficiency here mm-hmm. or there, but like Optimus, he's just solid like all around and like I mean, I enjoyed the game. It's yeah. kind of a cheap game. Like you can tell that this isn't like 
Platinum's A team making this yeah, game. Yeah, this is not the Revengeance budget. This was like with. the A team guys coming in once every two months mm -hmm. and checking on stuff and being like, yeah, you need to change this. But this was like Platinum's like B or C team making this game. Uh, now, this was a lot of Bayonetta, guy, Bayonetta people. On I this don't team. know. I mean, maybe the guys who worked on the combat engine, because the combat's yeah, good. Combat's, combat is a Bayonetta with robots. But the rest of the game, like, just the way it's designed, I mean... Well, there's no set... Like, the set piece stuff of Bayonetta isn't where you go. You're not flying up in the air on flying... There's none of that. Yeah, it's not... Uh, it's pretty humdrum, really. Yeah, I mean, it's like you fight, like, these rank-and-file robots mm -hmm. until you get to a clearing where you fight a mini-boss. Then you fight a couple mini-bosses, and you get to another clearing where you fight, like, a big boss. And yeah. you fight... All the guys over and over again. Like, you end up fighting the same robots. And, like, I won't ruin anything for you, but... Really, the last sequence of the game, it really starts to get ridiculous. Where you you have to fight, like... Well, again, I don't want to spoil it, but... Yeah, I don't care. You, uh... <laughs> you, the, the end of the game is a gauntlet where you fight everybody you fought in the game... Yeah, I figured. Again. Well, that's how these... The, the beat-em-ups go, basically. I mean, it, it is so stupid, too. I mean, look, and it's... Transformers cartoons were like this, and so I get it. But it's like, you fight these guys, and, like, they're laying on the ground smoldering, and you don't finish them. And <laughs> well, this isn't the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, but it's so silly, because then, like, five minutes later, you're fighting that guy again. You're yeah. like, I just whooped your ass. Like, why are <laughs> what do you, you think's here? Different? What do you, you think's different scrappy. five minutes later? Like, well, the difference is, is that there'll be, like, him plus, like, five other guys to right. fight at the same time. So... But here's the thing. There's never been even a decent G1 Transformers video game. And now there is. Like, this game is at least decent. Yeah. Like, I would still prefer a Fall of Cybertron follow-up. But this, you know, if this is what we get, this is uh, perfectly fine. Yeah. Especially because they went back and got all the original voices. At least yeah. the ones that are still alive. Yeah, the audio in the um, game is great. It's kind of like Battlefront, actually. Yeah. It's just, they have all like the sound bank from the original cartoons and the voice yeah. actors. And like, the and the music's done by Vince DiCola, who was the composer for uh, the movie, the Transformers movie in '86. And the guy so, who stands in, or the people who stand in for the voice actors who aren't still with us or just couldn't get on yeah. the project, they're great. Like I, I did not pick out a single character, and maybe you did, but I did not pick out a single character that did not sound like the real character to me. Starscream doesn't sound right. Really? No. Not at all. But he no one, one I thought was no a one so off, but no one sounds like Chris Latta. Yeah, like, that's the problem. Is like, um, whereas like, like Wheeljack was also, I believe, was also Chris Latta in the yeah. original, and and his voice is dead on. Yeah, like, his voice is great. Uh, I mean, the only other... voices are pretty distinctive. Oh yeah, and like to to get people like yeah, I I agree with you. He's not perfect, but he's still really good, man. It's, they're like, doing it. They're doing it. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, uh, you know, Frank Welker is Megatron. Um, but Frank Welker can't really do the Megatron voice as you can well tell, anymore yeah. because it's it's very hard on his voice. You know, he, uh -huh. he's, you know, it's a it's a hard voice to do, and he so he sounds a little more like Fred from Scooby Doo he than, does, yeah. than is comfortable. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I will always you know, I prefer Frank Welker over someone doing a, an impression of the original Megatron every time. I mean, it's great to have that cast back together. Yeah. It's great to have Michael Bell back as uh, as Sideswipe, not just because of Sideswipe, but because. Michael Bell was so many other incidental minor characters, and right. so many of them are in this game that, like, when you know, when Scrapper comes up when you fight the Constructicons, and it's Michael Bell doing his like little taunt at the beginning of the fight, and I'm like, that's great! Like, that's like super authentic. It feels like you're watching a lost episode of the cartoon. Yeah, and well, I felt like this game was that actually. Yeah. Well, and the story actually, is silly the story enough. Is, to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
It and made it, me remind me. I'm like, yeah, if you go back and watch those old Transformer cartoons now, like oh, how I ridiculous. viewed them when I was a kid, and like now I watch them, I'm like, wow, I was really dumb when I was a oh, kid. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember <laughs> one of the first time I went back when Rhino put them on DVD, and I remember watching them, and I'm like, because I remember them being like super cool and fun yeah. little adventure thing. I watch them, I'm like, oh my god, my parents must have thought something was wrong. With I know, me. Like, I know. <laughs> my mom, so bought, dumb. my mom bought me like, in, I think it was in my 20s. She bought me like the whole like set of DVDs, <laughs> and I think I made it through like two episodes. Yeah, they're not. Um, they're background noise. They don't now. hold up well. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, like, I think the voices do. They do. I, th- yeah. I think, I think they they work as radio plays. But right. if you try to watch them, you're like, oh my god, none of this animation makes any sense. Star screen looks- just changed color five times. I know. It- <laughs> It is Someone funny. got paid for this. Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> yep, and I paid them. I watched their shows and I bought their DVDs. Yeah. So, and the, I guess my other main, main criticism of the game is that there's no co-op, and the whole game is like it's you, super weird that there's no you co-op. and the other four Transformers are like a team, like fighting yeah. the Decepticons, and like well, to the point that the first like mini boss is Megatron. You fight is Megatron. And you fight him as Bumblebee, yeah. and Optimus Prime just like stands there and watches you. The whole I, I game mean, is it, this it, way. It though. really seems like someone, you know, someone else was supposed to be playing with you. At it gets point. ridiculous too because, like, especially towards the end of the game, there's like these huge scenes where you and the team are like united, and you rush into this area, and like a cutscene happens, and then the fight starts, and they're gone. <laughs> You're just like, where did you go, bro? I gotta fight like five of these guys all by myself. You, you were just here. Where did? And then like the next cutscene happens, and it's like they were there the whole time. But so was, you may be right. Maybe originally it was supposed to be a co-op game because yeah. there are there are like there's there seems like there's hooks in there. Yeah, there are I don't like just three, mean the Constructicon. There are a handful of battles where they do actually fight alongside you, and they're the mm-hmm. best fights in the whole game. Yeah. Like, they're awesome watching, like, everybody else do their thing and mixing in with them and, like, protecting them. Like, loved it. But there's, like, hardly any of it in the game. Mm. So, look. There was a great screenshot on NeoGAF of, like, of that of the fight with Megatron. And Megatron is literally stomping Bumblebee's face into the ground. And Prime is behind them just, like, whistling. Yeah. Like, just like, hmm. Like, <laughs> what to do next? Yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, look, there's all kinds of anomalies like that in the game. Stuff that just doesn't make sense and... You know, I, I think I said in the review, it's like the more you think about it, the worse it gets, basically. Mm. And so if you just want to turn your mind off and go back to your childhood and enjoy the G1 Transformers, this is the best opportunity yeah. to do it. And it'll probably be the last best opportunity to do For it. For a while, guessing. yeah. And how weird is it that we got this from the same publisher as Tony Hawk 5? Yep. You want to talk about retreating a, a property with a, a license with respect and a license without respect. Here's the thing about that, too. They didn't send this game out for review to anybody. No. Everybody had to go buy it. Yep. They never sent codes out for this at all. Wow. Like, it was... I We went and bought it on our own, and I saw, like, Polygon's review was, like, we went and bought the game, like... And it's not terrible. No, it's platinum. Like, I get it for Tony Hawk. Yeah. They, they knew the game was bad. It was bad. But this game's, like, good. It's getting, like, eights and yeah. stuff in the, in the 7 That's to 7 a to 10 high, but... <laughs> but in, in, you know... Still, you send that game out to be reviewed. Like, yeah. uh, your internal guys probably had to tell you, like, it's going to do okay. Pretty like, good. It's yeah. not going to set the world on. It's not going to be in Game of the Year conversations. It's going to be in the 70 range yeah. on, on Metacritic. It's, right. it's fine. And that's probably where it's going to end up. But yeah. they did not send it out. To anyone to review it, like we went That's bought weird. it. Yeah, it is weird. But so, if you're a G1 or even just a Transformers fan who's really pissed off at what Michael Bay did to this franchise, and you should be. That is actually like the whole tone of my review is like Michael Bay like took this away from us, and this game gives a little bit of it back. Like, yeah. And if you don't know about it as well, uh, go read the IDW 
Transformers comics because they're the best Transformers ever. Yeah, and maybe once the new, the new comic series come out, like maybe there'll be other games based upon this this universe. Well, you know, there is a uh, they are making a cartoon series coming up out of uh, Combiner Wars, which is the yeah. current IDW big you know year long story thing. So uh, if those do well, maybe maybe we would get games based on. And there that. are combiners in this game. Yeah, combiner. lots of com- a couple of combiners. Yeah, there are. And I'm not going to say whether you get to control one or not, but there are combiners in this game, and so maybe that's a hint at what's to come. I will say Platinum, I mean, they nailed the aesthetic. The game looks mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, they nailed it. The look, the way the lighting works on the characters and everything, the cell, the way they did the cell shading for it, like, it's, they nailed it. It runs real smooth. Runs like lightning. The sound is amazing. It's a Transformers dream, basically. But, yeah. like I said, the more you really look at it, and if you really start to evaluate it the way you would evaluate other games, it starts to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. But It beats the hell out of that Japanese-only one oh, on for PS2. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> where, uh, where, like, the Dynasty Warriors kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, if you're a Transformers fan, like, I don't know that I'd spend $50 for this game. Yeah. It depends how much of a yeah, fan Yeah, I guess are. I would, yeah. 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 If you're a big-time Transformers fan, I'd I don't spend regret 50 bucks. 50 bucks for this. Yeah, there you go. So. I've paid more than that for more terrible Transformers oh, yeah. figures, so. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, Metal Gear Solid Five has been out there for... Weeks now. Yep. And uh, one thing I will say is it looks like the game is not having big-time legs at retail. No? Like, no. It's, like, at the bottom 10 in Japan already. In Europe, it's pretty much got shoved out of the top 10. Fans bought it and it, it didn't really go way. beyond that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had said on the show, or I don't even know if we had mentioned this on the show, but the game about a week ago needed to double its sales to break even. And at first when I saw that, I was like, oh, no problem. Now I'm starting to wonder a little bit <laughs> if it is going to hit that, in mm. which I don't really care. Like... After what Konami did through the whole process with this game, yeah. and what they did to Kojima, and what and they the, just did, and what is and what it's doing, period. Like I really have no sympathy for Konami at all at this point. So I really don't care if it does make its money back or it makes Stole any my money. Tanks, because Kojima's paid. The guys who made the game are paid. The only people yeah. that I care about making their money have made it. So I don't really care if it gets its money back or not, or how its sales do. So. Release a game, this is a really a rarity. It's release a game and then have the multiplayer component come out like a month later. And so now I've played the multiplayer component, and maybe now I understand why Konami hated Kojima, because (laughs) in my opinion, it is terrible. It is completely awful, Matt. And so you can see there, MG, no. Like, (laughs) here's the thing. They focused on the exact wrong thing with the multiplayer. And the one thing, the one redeeming part of it that I do like is the fact that there's a little bit of that Kojima pixie dust in there. Like, you can Fulton characters out, and there's, like, these little plushy dolls that you can put down that will, like, mesmerize people. Like, there's all these cool little things in it, but the base of the game is complete garbage. The, first of all, it completely exposes Metal Gear Solid 5's controls as clunky. Mm -hmm. And it just, they don't work in this context of a game. When you have a set thing that you're telling somebody to do and there are parameters that you're laying down the controls work and the game works because you're saying you need to go and extract this guy you need to be stealthy the problem with metal gear online is that it doesn't work that way they try to tell you oh yeah you need to use like all these stealth skills dude it does not work all at every game ends up just becoming a shootout it's team deathmatch like no mm. matter what the objectives are or how many toys and tools they give you 
it doesn't. You can't win by using them. That's so, pretty much how it was in Metal Gear Solid yeah, Four. Too. It's the same thing. It is the same game. It's in, in Metal Gear Online for Metal Gear Solid Four. I played for three days and quit. And this game, I made it like a day, and I have no interest in going I back. I still think it's like, of all the things I ever thought I might want out of Metal Gear, online play really wasn't in there. Like I, I, I never thought like, oh, it'd be great if I could play this game multiplayer. I, I just, it's just. I don't understand how that would well, work. Well, I mean, if you go back and think about Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell found a good way to do multiplayer. Yeah. Remember, you got you did a whole series of like things. Oh yeah, like, the co-op stuff. Is, yeah, uh, yeah, I or, mean, or even the the competitive was good too with a two-on-two. Two yeah, and all that. there are ways to do it, but they have gone about it the whole wrong way. It feels like Kojima is obsessed with the West, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, he sees Call of Duty, and he sees Halo, and he sees these games that like. People are playing a year after they come out, and I feel like he's he wants his games to be that way. He doesn't want his games <laughs> to be disposable. Yeah, there's like like I said, there's cool stuff. Like if you salute people, it like links you to somebody, so you can like spawn on them. Like there's cool little stuff in it, but the base of it is just garbage, and it doesn't it just doesn't work. Like if you have a mech in the game, it just destroys and dominates. Like there's no Here's here's what happened with this this mode. They're like, let's put this 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 and this and this in here because it'll be cool to have it in there. But they never thought about how everything affects everything else and how having one thing will render something else moot and make something else irrelevant. And like, they just never. You can just tell they've never made a multiplayer game like this. They don't know how to balance it. They just. They threw a bunch of crap in a pot, and they're like, hey, people will play around with this and, like, have fun with it. And sure, like, for a day or two, it is fun. But mm-hmm. if you want to have staying power with a multiplayer mode, you can't design your games that way. Like, I don't know. Like, it, to me, it was a huge waste of money and resources for them to make this and put this in the game. Yeah, and they ma- could have, like, finished the story and stuff. Right, because, you know, what we're discovering now with data mining and stuff like that, and even some quotes from Kojima, is that, like, what we played in the campaign was not even, like... Like, 20%. Yeah, of what, what we were supposed yeah. to get. So, putting your team on this, instead of finishing your opus, basically, yeah. is what... Metal Gear Solid Five is this Kojima's opus to this for this franchise anyway. It's just it's here's the bottom line, Matt, is it's bad management. Yep. And that is exactly the problem that Konami had with Kojima is he's a bad manager. He did a poor job managing the budget. He did a poor job deciding what features to put or not put in the game. He made a poor decision in green lighting MGO again. Sounds like maybe the escapist needs to write an article. Yeah. <laughs> And there'll be no one to sue him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, to me, it's just, it's a huge disappointment, Matt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you're right. It is exactly like the last Metal Gear Online. Mm-hmm. And if you, I don't know how long you stuck around the last time. Like two days. Right. And I actually did go back at one point, and there was, like, enough players. Like, two months later, there was enough players to fill up, like, two servers. Like, literally, like, two games worth of players playing Metal Gear Online. And so, you know, the servers went down, like, eventually they just took them down, because no one was playing it. Mm. It's a huge misappropriation of funds, of energy, of yeah, not time. Yeah, not a great week for Metal Gear. Fun, no. Really. Especially, and on top of that, you had the, the, the microtransaction, like, horse armor and yep. stuff went up, and 
they did that uh, an upgrade to the the forward operating bases that basically steal your your resources to yep. like force them onto the forward operating base so other players can steal them more easily. Oh, and, and they like, announced like the insurance. The insurance thing. So you, yeah. if people take your stuff, like you don't really lose it. Like the game is spiraling out of control yeah. quickly, Matt. It and really like, is. It, and it's amazing how many of them like these are all free to play ideas. Yeah. For a game that we paid sixty bucks for. Yeah. It's totally, you're totally right. And then the pachinko thing, like yeah. they filed a copyright for the big boss pachinko machine. And like, Ugh. yeah. I mean, look, I enjoyed the campaign. If I had spent $60 on the game, I would have got my money's worth. Like, yeah. I played it for dozens and dozens but of But I hours. think in the end, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's like, I can see the potential for it to have been one of my favorite games of the year, but it, just, it can't be. At this point, yeah, with all these weird things they're doing, I mean, it, look, it's all still... the shortcomings, all the, the the all that feeling of like what we could have had but didn't get, you know. See, like, I don't. I never look at games that way, really. Like, I really just look at what the game is. And I try there. not to, but I think it. I think there's no way to look. Once you get deeper into the into Metal Gear Solid Five, especially in the story missions, there's no way to look at that game and not feel like we got something that was like, oh my god, just put it together and get it out like just yeah. get you know it feels pasted together and like it, it's like it's like uh, that's Kojima's fault by yeah, the way yeah for sure because well, he had all the time in the world to make this game well, it's like Soul, it it's like Soul Reaver or like you know where, where it was like whoa that game just ended or like Soul Reaver 2 where yeah. it was like you go through a one linear path to the end of a thing and then you walk all the way back and like yeah. the story cutscenes happen along the way like there's no game there's no there there yeah. you know it's just you can tell that it was just like this thing that was slapped together to get something out the door that actually sounds like Metal Gear Solid 4 what you're talking about right yeah, there yeah not, that's not wrong <laughs> not wrong but you know I, I do think it's one of the better games of the year so far I mean there's still mm. a lot of big games that come out the rest of the in year in terms of like the actual on the ground gameplay yes for sure but it's just it's it's a it's kind of a tragedy in that like when you look at sort of a bigger picture version of it you're like oh my god imagine imagine if Kojima had been able to get his act together and make what he really had in mind yeah uh, in a timely and efficient manner like what a, what a game that would have been yeah. what a game it already is but yeah. what a game it could have been on top of that before and, this came out I was even wondering I'm like okay you know if they've really got Metal Gear Online to a really good place like you know I may need to have to go back and like adjust the gamey vowel a little bit like if they really <laughs> knock it out of the park and now I'm thinking like maybe I need to go back and like drop that connectivity score down a little bit like what, did, what was it on connectivity uh, I think it was a 7 if I remember correctly mm-hmm. But I, regardless of whatever I gave it, like I, I'm wondering now if I need to drop it down like one or something like that. Well, like, I'm certainly not happy that they took a bunch of my sh- shit. Like yeah. they stole a bunch of my tanks. Yeah. Like now you can only have like three of like each vehicle. I think in your like basic like your mother base inventory, which also means you can't sell them. Right. You can't sell the others. Like yeah, if you're yeah. using that for income, no. Like if you had like 23, you know, whatever armored vehicles. You now have three of them, and twenty of them were sent to your fob. Yeah, which is like, hey, like, yeah. <laughs> what the? I, w- I was doing something with those. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's amazing that they would do that without you know. There's no option. There's no opt out. There's no warning that that's going to happen. It's just everybody, people who upgraded suddenly are like, hey, all my resources, like my raw materials, just like all went to my fob, and yeah. I can't do anything about it. And like it's just it's such a strange like it, there's a lot of anti anti I mean anti consumer anti customer yeah uh, like choices being made here on this game after the after the fact and surprise surprise yeah and it's not it's like mm, I uh, like I just I, I it's 
it's dirty. It's it it's is, it's yeah. gross. I don't I don't like and like you're everybody's kind of stuck with the game because everybody loves the game when they're playing it on the ground. Yeah. But then there's all these like this all the meta stuff is starting to like 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 become this sort of like oh you're just you know fucking what? I'm with out. Me now. I'm done. Like yeah. I'm finished with Metal Gear. I mean, then this is probably the last one. So. I mean, I'm I'm done with the campaign, and I have no interest in going back and playing Metal Gear Online. So I really don't even care what happens in this game mm. now. Like, <laughs> not even I'm the sure home version of the Pachinko the... game. <laughs> I just, I'm done. I'm over it. Like Metal Gear Solid Five is done for me. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I was. I really was. Uh, I was last time I was playing. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should. Maybe I should just put The Witcher back in. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that segues very nicely into <laughs> our deep dive. We're going to talk about in a minute. But before we get to that, it's time to go to our trailer of the week. So next week, The Witcher Three is putting out its first piece of paid DLC. Mm-hmm. Everything that's come out so far has been free. And big ups to yes. CD Projekt Red. I mean, man, they not have... just for that, but for not stealing all my herbs yeah. and putting them in my forward operating castle. <laughs> Or whatever the hell. Yeah, I mean, they have done a masterful job of handling yeah. this game. I mean, look, we're months away from that game coming out. We're just now getting the first piece of paid DLC. And by the looks of this trailer, it's going to be awesome. There's actually, I think, a, a couple reviews have gone up for it already today, and they've been pretty much glowing. So here it is, the launch trailer for the very first piece of paid DLC for The Witcher 3. What is it called? The Hearts of Hearts Stone. Hearts of Stone. Hearts of Stone. The Witcher 3. Which is interesting for something that like is kind of a little bit of focused on a card game. Yeah. Hearts of Stone, Hearthstone, Heart... Are we trolling a little bit there? Could CD be. Project? Well, you'll decide for yourself after you watch this launch trailer. Greetings, Geralt. Remember me? We met in White Orchard. I helped you find Yennefer. <laughs> Seems you need my help again. Do you want my help? It's a deal. Let me tell you a story. It's about a man worse than most. A man who refuses to pay his debts. Well struck, Witcher. But perhaps you'd care to tell me why you meddled in a matter not yours. You're immortal. Indeed. But it's not what folk imagine. Not dying does not mean eternally living your life to the full. So it's a curse. You must be careful what you wish for, for there are consequences. You need to get into the vault. We break in, each take what we need. You one I can count on. Why do you wish to see the Lady of the House? See how I've wheeled her in? Now don't fuck this up. All right, so, yeah, it is wacky. (laughs) It looks insane. Well, it brings back that one crazy guy from, like, the original base game, who I kind of hated in the base game, but I can see why they brought him back. But, uh, 
I think it looks awesome. I'm excited to yeah. play it, but I haven't finished The Witcher Three yet. Oh no, I'm not anywhere close, really. I'm, I gotta go. I, and I keep they keep putting it's like, oh, right as I'm about to go back, they're like, oh, the next patch is gonna make everything even better. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll wait for the next patch then. Well, the yeah. patch that they just put out had 600 fixes. Yeah, 600. That's insane. Those it was guys, also like gigs and gigs of information, apparently. Yeah. So yeah, those a lot guys of that is do prepping you, getting it ready for the expansion. But that leads us into our deep dive this week. And so CD Projekt Red, very hard at work on Witcher 3 DLC and obviously patching the game up. Mm. But they're also very hard at work on a game that has been known about for probably, what, two or three years, years yeah. now. And that game is Cyberpunk 2077. Um, they came out right before E3 and said, you're not going to hear anything about this game until next year. Um, fair enough. They're working on their Witcher stuff. But they have been plugging away at this game. And so... The big news that came out this week is that CD Projekt Red said that this game is going to dwarf The Witcher 3. And I don't so, even know what that means. I, don't, I can't like even the, comprehend what that means, Matt, because here's like, a position... Like, I'm, does it take place in all of France? Like, like, what, like what is it? Like, like, you cover all of Earth and then you go to some other planet? And yeah. like, <laughs> so here's the question, Matt. When does a game become too big because here's my perspective on the witcher 3 is that it came out i wasn't the one doing the game eval you did the game eval for sifted and so i didn't have to finish it and so i played it for the first like four or five days and then i got really busy and i was i still have not been able to go back and play and i'm not going to be able to like already there's so many games coming out every week like i don't know when or if i'm going to be able to finish the witcher 3 and i feel like i need to to have kind of game of the year conversations at the end of the year it's too big. Like, I'm intimidated by it. I, I already know how big the game is. I know how much time you spent with it. I know how much time everyone else has spent with it that's already finished it or played it. And I just know that it's too much, and I cannot commit that much time to it right now, or I don't know when. Because <laughs> Q1 of next year is insane, too. Yeah. So when does a game become too big? Like, I would argue that maybe The Witcher 3 is too big. Look, mm. my job is playing games, and it's too big for me. Like, I don't have time to finish it. And look, there's a lot of people out there who, like, you know, squirt away an hour here or there. Like, the wife and the kid are asleep. Oh, I've got an hour and 30 minutes to play. Like, and they play for that hour and a half. And, like, trying to squirrel together, like, these little patches of time to try to get through these games. It's like, in your opinion, when does a game get too big? Um... I would say that there's a I, there's two different answers to that. The first answer is Just Cause Two. Just Cause Two that is too big. That game was too big. Yeah. But the reason it's too big is because there are only like three things to do. Yeah. Like it was this map the size of England, and like you had like you could go blow up a location, blow up all the things in a location, and then you would own that location, or you could do a story mission and like help the rebels or whatever. Yeah. And or you could do that was it. Like, it was just, you were doing the same thing a thousand times. Whereas The Witcher 3 doesn't feel too big to me because it, you know, it carries itself narratively and content-wise through that size without, like, repeating itself too much. So I would say, um, you know, yeah, it's hard for us as, like, you know, game journalists or whatever to kind of get through these things and speak authoritatively about them in reviews and as Game of the Year. But I don't think, you know, there's so few of us in comparison to the, ma the mass gaming audience. I'm never going to say that a, that a developer, if they want to give someone that much bang for their buck, especially CD Projekt Red, like, 
you know, I assume when they're talking about some, you know, cyberpunk uh, being that big, they're also talking about being that content dense. Oh, for sure. And like, you know, I I have friends that are still, you know, they're not. But do you not, think people they, need to be able to finish game? I mean, that maybe that's the base of what this topic really is. is I don't do, know. Should people be able to finish video games? Because I don't know. if you look at the numbers, it's like fifteen to twenty percent. Finish, finish them, a period. game, and that's good. That's a good number for a game. I mean, usually the number is even far lower than that. Does it matter? I don't think so. That people I, finish games? I don't think it. I, I, most people, I don't think they care. Like I have some friends that you know picked up The Witcher Three basically on my recommendation. They're not in the industry. They're not you know, and they love it, and they keep playing it, and it keeps going. Keeps and they're, and they're like, I spent sixty bucks on this thing. This, this thing like back in uh, May. And I'm still playing it, and like it's, I, I'm like, wait, they're like, where am I? I'm like, you're like, twenty percent in, yeah. and they're like, real, and and they, they thought they were getting to the end, right. but, but they were encouraging for no, they're they're, they're all they're all thrilled that the sixty dollars they spend in May is going to carry them through like May, yeah, the next May, you know, like they're they're excited that that is because they like the game so much they don't want it to end, and it doesn't. It doesn't grind on them, I guess, and it hasn't started to grind on me. Like I'm not tired of it at all. Yeah. I've just had to move on from it to like play other things because that's this is what we do, right? You know? Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely going to go back to it when I can because like I, I just don't know when I will be able to. It is a problem, but I, and I just honestly, if I knew the game was like 20 or 30 hours long, which still is really long, by the way, yeah. for a video game or for anything. I would be much more apt to go back and play it because right now I feel like I'm in this hopeless place where there's just no way I'll ever be able to finish. I'll never be able to dedicate that much time to this game while I have to play all the other games, and so it just it's discouraging to me. Now, Shane, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> That's all I can tell you about The Witcher Three. You are always making progress. I know, I know, I, I totally get that. And I played the first couple games, and I don't think mm-hmm. I finished either one of those either. The Witcher One, The Witcher One, I will say, is probably too big for its content. Yeah. Like it's it's too much running across swamps. And you know, there's not enough to do to justify the size of it. The Witcher Three is like, it has the content density of two in something with the sprawling nature of one, and to me, that really holds my attention. Um, something the size of Just Cause Two that has only like one kind of thing to do, like that, I think is too big, or like Fuel, like that yeah. game, which was like, I think it was like 75 square miles or right, something, yeah. and it's like, why? Here's the thing, though, too, Matt, is that the games that sell are these games, the yeah. ones that are huge. Like, those are the ones... Look, Grand Theft Auto V, perfect mm-hmm. example. That game is still in the top five of sales every single month. Still! Mm-hmm. That game came out, like, what, two years ago? year and a half yeah. ago. Part and it, of, well, part of it, I think, is just our obsession with, like, more for our money. We're like, you know... Oh, for like twenty-five cents more at the movie theater, you can get the big popcorn. You can get the big popcorn. You can get you can get the the soda that's the size of your head. You know, yeah. And like, do you ever finish that? No. No. But like, not if not unless I'll you're get like, a stomachache trying right. though. <laughs> but it's like, but you still got it because it was yeah. like, oh, I got so much more for that. And so I think that's kind of what a lot of those games are. I'm sure tons of people know. You look at the look at the achievements on Grand Theft Auto Five, where it's like the high level, like you know, completionist ones, and it's like they're all ultra rare. Yeah, see, I yeah, would argue that Grand people Theft, don't get there. You know? I would argue that Grand Theft Auto V is a game that does not hold up for mm. the whole time. I felt like that game, like the missions after a while, started to get repetitive, and I felt like it just had oh, yeah. become a means to an end. I so, finished it on PlayStation Four, but I did not finish it on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, 
it because like I think it was after like the second or third heist where they took your stuff away afterward. Like, because you kept going through all the planning stages, and then like something story related would happen. Where like, oh, like Trevor isn't allowed to do that, or like, uh, no, you have to like, you're not. We didn't authorize that, so you're like, don't get to have the the spoils of the heist you just pulled off. Like after a while, I'm just like, look, do you want me to have any fun at all, story, or am I? And I just sort of like drifted away from it. Yeah. But then when I, then I decided to really. Push through, and you're right. Like it sags in the middle, like you wouldn't believe in places. But I got through it, and I'm glad I did. And no, I, I look. I enjoy Grand Theft Auto Five. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, it was a great game. But I would say that that game was too long. Like I don't think it held up for the whole playtime. And I think Rockstar knows that mm. the games that sell are these games where people are like, "Oh my God, oh, I yeah. spent 50, 60 hours with this." But thing. again, take a you know. I hope they take a cue from The Witcher in that like part of the problem with Grand Theft Auto Five and why it feels too long is there's not enough to do, and yeah. like there's a lot of empty space in that world that doesn't have anything of content value to right. it. You know, you're just driving past it all the time. And if there was more to do with like you know individual points of interest, like maybe more of those random strangers. Like, you know, something to kind of give the world a little more life in terms of internet. Because it's like people say, like, you've created this amazing simulation of, of a fictional Los Angeles, and the only thing I can really do in it is punch people. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no other way I can change this world or touch, or touch this world. Yeah. And, like, you know, I think that's why it feels too long or too big is because it's empty. You know? And I don't think The Witcher gets that way from, at least No, from I agree. I mean... I, I only played it for probably 20 hours before I had to stop. Only 20 hours. Yeah, but when you're talking about a game of yeah, that you size, barely scratched like, it. Yeah. But see, that that shows you my perspective on it, mm-hmm. is that I've played it 20 hours, and I'm like, I've only played it 20 hours. Yeah. And there's still well, when so I did the game of Val, I'm like, I've played it about 100 hours. I think, yeah. I think I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I'm ready <laughs> to, to actually talk about it. You know? yeah. But it's like... But yeah, it's, I mean, it's huge, and, there, and, but, and the amazing thing to me is that you know, I'm probably close to 150 hours at this point, and it just doesn't run out of stuff. No, because it doesn't, you're right, it does a great job of mixing things up and keeping things interesting and introducing new mm-hmm. characters into it that makes it exciting. Like, that was the other thing with Grand Theft Auto V, I felt like it kind of introduced all the characters, like, right away, and you kind of knew those people, and it didn't do as good a job as prior games as developing those characters no, and making you care about them, like... It just seemed a little more vapid. And so then there's this other kind of section of games, games like Demon's Souls. So these are games that are really hard and really challenging, but they're also, like, really freaking long. So, you know what? If somebody had told me Bloodborne was 10 hours long, like, I probably would have been way more apt to continue playing that game than I did. But knowing that it was really hard and challenging and that there were 20 hours or more ahead of me of that challenge, it turned me off to going back and finishing the game. Like, I felt like, all right, if I'm going to struggle, I'm okay doing that for a while. But if you're telling me that, like, you want me to struggle for a 40-hour work week, Hmm. then it becomes intimidating. And again, when you have when you do what we do and you need to keep playing the new games that are coming out so you can talk about them and know what the hell you're talking about, it discourages you from going to play it. And, like, I don't think the average consumer is all that much different from us either in that regard. I, I think, think they're very different in that regard. Well, I think they do want to play the new games and they want they to do, but play I, what's coming out. But I think these, you know, I think people don't play as many games as we might think they do. I think, you know, you well, buy... Well, a casual player only buys three to five yeah. games a year. And I, 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 and I think they want those games to last 30 to 40. And I think 30 to 40 is a good bang for that $60 buck. And, like, 
uh, you know, so and I think you know, I think like we're we operate on kind of this like, oh god, if it's beyond ten hours, I don't know if I'm gonna finish it, and I just need to get through it. And da, da, da. like, I feel like we kind of have a like one of the weirdest like first world problems ever for like playing this thing, this hobby we love. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I think our perspective is a little weird in that. Oh, regard. for sure. I, I, Sometimes I, I, I look at myself outside of this bubble that we kind of exist in with us as journalists and with. The hardcore gamers, like, I often wonder, like, my wife is used to it at this point, but I often wonder, like, what my wife's parents think of me and what <laughs> I do, and, like, because, you know, they're from rural Pennsylvania, and they're, it's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're like, oh, he's a grown man, and what is he doing? He's starting a website about video games, but aren't video games for, like, five-year-olds to be playing, and why is he, you know... All those five-year-olds mastering Bloodborne. Right, exactly. But see, they don't get it. You know, there's this stigma and ac- these expectations of what games are for the average person, and it's like it's sometimes interesting to just try to look at everything as like a, from like a third-person perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think if I told some people I know how much time I spend playing video games, or that there are video games that take you sixty hours to complete, they think it's insane. And I think a lot of those people do end up dabbling into games. And I think that they are the people that I was kind of talking about when I was saying, like, some people like to get an experience and then move on and Mm. play something else. And maybe some people... I'm definitely like that. I mean, once I feel like I've got... Once I feel like a game doesn't have much more to show me, it's hard for me to stick with it for another, like, 20 hours. And that goes back to what we were saying about content. And so if you don't have the content to support that... 60 hours yeah. that you're asking from the player, I think that's, you're right, that's when the yeah. games are too long. And it's also, like Mad Max, like I feel like, you know, I have probably another 10, 15 hours left in that game, but I feel like I've hit the point where I'm like, you you don't have anything left to sh- surprise me with. Yeah. So do I really want to just slog through the rest of that to say that I did it? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I do. Yeah. And see, that's, that was kind of what I was getting at with Demon's Souls and Dark Souls and any game that's just crazy challenging is that i feel like it's like an art of it's an artificial extender like i feel like the amount of content that's in let's just say bloodborne for Mm -hmm. example like you know i spent several hours trying to get through and i've said this before in the show like a section of a game that normally would take you like five minutes because every enemy that you fight is like Mm -hmm. a challenge and something you really have to tackle and so to me that those games are too long for what you're experiencing. The amount of content that you're getting in those games versus the amount of time that you're spending playing that content, to me, seems a little out of whack. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, to me, to me it's not like really the, the length of the content. It's that the, the challenge to me on that is like, because I don't find Bloodborne really that, that difficult. didn't find Dark Souls 2 too that, too that difficult outside of certain choke points. But it's more like, the difficulty for me is like I have to concentrate and be on top of my game yeah. at all times. Because that's the thing is like they're not like constantly hard. They're only hard if you stop if you paying don't pay attention, attention. If you let your guard yeah. down. Yeah. And so like that's gonna. It's like can I stay at that level of concentration for forty hours? Not all at once. Yeah. You know. It, and and there is kind of that feeling of like the thing that stopped me from going back to Bloodborne after about twenty hours or so was like was that thing is like all right I could play Bloodborne. Or I could play something that doesn't quite feel quite so much like homework. But see, that's that's my point. That's what I was getting at. Is that, like, that's why I think the game is too long. Because I would be okay if that game were, like, if, like I said, if I knew it was, like, 10 or 20 hours long. Like, I would have been like, okay, I can take this challenge on for that long. But I feel like it's, like, torture for me to say, I'm going to do this for the next, like, Mm. 
40 hours or whatever. You can speedrun Demon Souls in about like 10 minutes. Right, right. <laughs> right, if you know where to go. You're going to miss some content. Yeah, and, a lot um, of it. And you're going to fall through some floors and whatnot. But So let's, let's move on to Skyrim. Mm. Skyrim, I feel like that's a game that did a pretty good job of fulfilling the whole time mm. that you played it. It was, that was an inter- it's interesting in that like The Witcher 3 um, has very specific content points all around the world, whereas Skyrim, Skyrim's environment tells a story. It's not necessarily an organized quest, maybe, but like you'll go into a, a ruin or something, and you'll be like, oh, this, this happened there. A Fallout had this, too, with, from Bethesda, where like, you could kind of piece together what had happened right. in this ruin, and, and it kind of told this like, little informal narrative. And so that kind of pulls me through it. And also, like the, I mean, that, I love the, the world and the design and the art design and the Norse like, element of that and the fact that, like, oh, there, here's a dragon fighting a bunch of mammoths. And like, it's just like, they, you never knew what you were going to find. I think Bethesda in general, its games generally do a, a really good job of providing a long experience that stays engaging the whole time. Yeah, I think so. Because I there's ebbs and flows to it. Like, there's parts where the game gets hard. There's... Parts where the game is more relaxing and there's, mm. you know, you're just kind of talking to the NPCs and gathering in the lore and, you know, figuring out what to do or just looking at stuff that looks freaking awesome. Like, yeah. Oblivion, I think, dropped that for me about how I, I had to really force my way through the, the second half of Oblivion. I never finished Oblivion. But Skyrim and Morrowind. So I'm right there with yeah. you. I could never. I Skyrim and Morrowind it. held me the whole time. Yeah. I went through the whole thing. Well, you Fallout 3. Fallout 3 for sure. Fallout New Vegas didn't. Fallout New Vegas didn't grab. A lot of people think Fallout New Vegas is like the best Fallout ever. Yeah. Or not. Now that it's been patched a million times or whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Might be time to try it again for me. But I didn't get more than like five hours. I never even played it. I never even started Fallout New Vegas. It just came out at a time where I it was. I think it was Q4, and I wasn't assigned to review it, and somebody else was, and Lottie Doff it went. (laughs) (laughs) And I never went to go back to it. But Skyrim, I feel like, is a game that does manage to sustain that long playtime and keep it interesting and not get boring. And then the last game we want to talk about is Final Fantasy XII. Have you played that game, Matt? Oh, yeah. I think it's the second best Final Fantasy ever made. Yeah? After six. Do you feel like it made... Because that is a really, really long game. Did you not get bored with that game by the time you were done? Because I, I don't think it does hold up. I... For that amount of time. Well, the thing is that, like, the story stops. And then, like, you've got, like, 40 hours of grinding. And then the story kind of finishes at the end. Like, yeah. It, like, it feels like there's this gap between, like... And see, in that and gap, I died. I just... But I, <laughs> I really liked it. I just like... I love that world, the Ivalis world. I liked the characters. I liked it because it's basically Star Wars. Like, yeah. the story is basically Star Wars. And I liked just the... You know, I liked the Gambit system once I figured it out. Which, to be fair, if once you figure the Gambit system out, the game kind of plays itself. It does, Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it's like... It's like kind of setting up almost an MMO system and a logic system that like means you don't really have to do anything anymore. Um, but I really, I really liked how it felt. It felt like a like a fresh take on on what the series could be. And you know, it, it was... I thought it was way too long, man. To me, this is the reason I I brought it in here because I wanted this to be like the shining example. I had no idea you that was your fa- no, second I, favorite I love it. Final Fantasy. If you want to talk about Final <laughs> Fantasies that are too long, I'm going to talk about Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> yeah. This one, though, to the me, The 40-hour tutorial. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, before you actually get into the main game or whatever. But this game, for me in particular, just really struck a chord with me. Like, I just... You're right. Like, stuff happens, and then nothing happens for yeah. forever. Forever. Like, I just... After, like, 15 hours of grinding, I was like, this isn't fun. Like, I'm not enjoying playing this game anymore. 
Mm. I totally get why, why you would think that. I mean, this, I don't know why quite this thing hooked me. Maybe just because I didn't... I haven't really genuinely liked a Final Fantasy since 6. And 12 like, was like almost the kind of adventure ideal that I, I wanted out of, out of the series. And yeah. it was at least something different from the usual, like... We watched Evangelion too many times, like whiny, like anime, like like storyline. Yeah. Uh, with a quick stop off of Final Fantasy IX, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I just liked that it was something different. It was a, a, a fresher take on things, and I really didn't like ten. So, and I didn't really, you know, eleven was an MMO, so it was like this was kind of a nice synthesis of those ideas after that time. But like, I you know, I get why people are divided on it. I would kill someone for an HD remaster of this thing. Um, but I don't know if that'll ever happen because he seems even square and I was like, yeah, that's kind of the weird one. Well, no, I think that there's rumors swirling about yeah. it happening, so... Well, there's rumors swirling around about Final Fantasy VII, but, like, that took us... You know, it happened. 15 years. Well, remember, this came from a composer, though, the first mm. bit, and then she's like, oh, no, 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 I misspoke, <laughs> and then it came back up again. It became, oh, it appeared on, like, a retailer site or something. So mm. it looks like it's actually going to happen. Well, which... I'm on board. Although maybe, Would you, you know, play it again? Yeah, I'd play it again. Really? Maybe I wouldn't get through it this time. I'm I don't really know. surprised maybe, to hear that. Maybe, I, maybe I'd be older and wiser so, this time. So let's go back to the, what originally spread on this topic, Cyberpunk 2077. Would, would you want a Witcher that's longer than The Witcher 3? Would you be okay with that? Sure. Really? See, I, I feel like you eventually need the cap. You need to be able to reach the finish line. Like The finish line will. is what makes everybody run hard. But you will. It's just human nature. But you will reach it. It's not an endless game. It's not an MMO. It's not World of Warcraft. There's an end there. You'll get there. I'm not getting... I'm not going to make it to the end of Witcher 3. Well, you could if you tried. I've tried. I don't have the time to do it. That's do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> oh, come on. But that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, what point does it get ridiculous to where it's like, no, this isn't like... We appreciate that you're trying to give us, but I eventually I need this sense of completion. And look, everyone's different. Look, personally, I feel like I need that. I'm used to running for a finish line and hitting that finish line and pumping my fist and saying, where's the next race? Like, and maybe some people are different. Maybe they're marathon runners and they can run mm-hmm. all damn day and not care about a finish line. But I think a lot of people are like me. There's a lot of people who aren't like me, but... I just think that there's a breaking point at a certain point. Like, yeah. I would not want The Witcher 4 to be, like, a 200-hour game. Like, there has to be a cutoff somewhere. I would say that um, because, you know, like, I wouldn't want maybe, maybe... I don't want Just Cause 3 to be a 200-hour game. But The Witcher, like, those guys do it so well. And, like, I, 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 you know, it, I wouldn't say that for every developer in the world that I'd want a 200-hour game from them. But I will say that for Pro- CD Projekt Red. Like I'll take a three hundred. I'll take a two hundred hour cyberpunk game from them. I would not. I wouldn't even care how good a game is. I would not want it to be two hundred hours. Well, like, I just, all I can say to that it's is, it's like a. I feel like that's hopeless. Like I don't buy a game to finish it like a year later. Well, all, <laughs> but well, all I can say is like I think there are people who who do who do wish that their sixty dollars went that far. Yeah. Um, because you know times are tough. Oh, you're right. There are people a, who only amount. get a game or two a year. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like. Well, if I mean, if that's too too long for you, there's a lot of other games that aren't that long to play. But they're not as good. Well, that's the conundrum, <laughs> isn't it? Right, but uh, <laughs> like, they can make a Witcher that's like 30 hours. Imagine if they packed all, they cut like all those other missions and just literally took the best from that 100 hours and cut it down to like a 30-hour game. No Imagine thanks. how incredible that game would be, Matt. Mm. No? 
I, the the world and the sprawl and the length and the it is part of it. It's all part of it's all part of it. And I, I I I can't imagine The Witcher without that. Yeah, I can't. Cyberpunk. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Cyberpunk sucks. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I am not. As, I have a. I have a feeling. It I have won't a feeling suck. it will not. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know. I'm very attached to The Witcher. I love the world. I love the, the 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 take on it. I love the kind of the Polish fairy tale sort of angle that like creeps into it. Where yeah. like it's you know that Eastern European thing that like like wow that's weird. Yeah. I don't have any sense of you know I don't know what that's like to a Polish player. Like maybe they find that to be like you know kind of down home part of their culture right. kind of thing. But like to me, it's like this alien thing I've never seen before, and it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's like it surprises me and it interests me and it. And it's not the same old, same old fantasy crap that we've been dealt with in games for, you know, 25 years. Right. So, like, I will take as much of that as you can throw at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, cyberpunk, I don't know. I don't know. Cyberpunk is a more uh, established thing. Uh, a lot of it feels like a rehash of, you know, Neuromancer or, or uh, old William Gibson or Blade Runner. So we'll see. You know, we'll see if they can make Cyberpunk 2077 feel as fresh as The Witcher. Yep. Uh, and make me care. So we've gained to no consensus Not really. <laughs> on our deep dive. I, I, we still don't know when a game is too long. Like you know, I'll agree that like you know some you know, like Grand Theft Auto maybe was too long or like that. But but CD Projekt Red, until CD Projekt Red does something that makes me say like wow you guys had nothing to put in here like this whole game just sagged all through the middle like until they screw up and give me that I'm just gonna say keep going, see how see how far you can push it. All right, guys, I'm interested to hear your perspectives on this as well. Also, if you have any questions for Matt and I, now is the time to ask them. Uh, by the time you type them in and it goes through the whole delay, uh, we'll be done talking and we'll be able to answer your questions. <laughs> I do have some very exciting news, and I haven't talked about it in several weeks because I was getting very frustrated with the whole thing. But I can tell you that we are finally ready to announce the new show next week. The graphics were completed yesterday. Another announcement of an announcement. Yeah, I have them on my hard drive. They are done. We are ready to let you guys all know about the big news about the big show coming to Sifted. That's gonna happen next week. So after a lot, I probably should have never mentioned it, but the people who are doing the graphics for the show said they would be done in a week and it literally took them like a month and a half. And it actually took me going to their place of business last week and being like, what is up? Like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I drove there unannounced, didn't tell them I was coming or anything, and just knocked on the door and was like, what is going on? And surprisingly, they were done like five days later. So hmm. sometimes being a jerk works, folks. So uh, big news coming next week. You guys are going to really be excited about what's happening with Sifted. Uh, we actually have a couple other shows that we're working on right now, too, with some people that you guys really like. Uh, so some big stuff coming to the site. I'm sure you guys are all seeing that uh, Gamey Vows are really rolling out at a steady rate. We're doing a lot more of our Let's Plays, which we call our Hangouts. And uh, one thing to keep in mind is anytime you get a notice saying that, oh, they're doing another Hangout, um, we're gonna every time we do a hangout, we're gonna do a Q and A at the beginning, and then we're gonna start cutting out that separate Q and A and putting it up as a separate segment. You guys probably saw that with the uh, Rainbow Six Siege hangout that we did. Uh, we cut out the Q and A session that we did at the beginning separately and published that on its own. So if you guys want to have another opportunity to ask questions uh, or just ask us about games that we have access to that maybe you guys don't have access to yet. Uh, make sure when you get that notification in your email for a Hangout that you jump on and come join us. Uh, we always just kind of kick it for the first like 15 or 20 minutes of a Hangout. We literally just hang out. 
uh, waiting for people to get into the stream. And I just sit there and just take questions from you guys for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And I really enjoy it. And it seems like you guys, too, do as well. And uh, the response to the first one we put up has been really positive as far as comments. So keep that in mind next time you get a notification. And actually, I think they got a notification for this that said Rainbow Six Siege Hangout. Yeah. So. <laughs> We got to keep remembering to. Uh, it's hard to remember to change the Twitch title. It it's, really is. It's like the last thing you think of when you're trying to put together a show like this. It's like, oh yeah, I need to go to Twitch and uh, change the title. So thanks to you guys who showed up. Let's see if we have any questions here. Uh, let's see. With the success of, and this is from this. This is for Vidja Games. <laughs> With the success of Nino Kuni, do you think that Level 5's next RPG, Yokai Watch, will be a success? Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I think I'll like it. A I don't know that Nino A success Kuni, in the sense of, like, commercial success? I, I'm assuming that's what it is. I don't think that Nino Kuni was a huge success in the States, though. I mean, I, it I think it was, made I think it, was a, it was a success as far as what they would have expected for it, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it probably hit expectations yeah. as far as sales. And it certainly was well-received by critics. Um, I think Yokai Watch is going to be big in America. I mean, it's beyond big in Japan. And if there's one thing I've learned is that Nintendo does a great job of finding something popular in one territory and making another territory care about it. I mean, mm -hmm. they did it with Pokemon. Pokemon was huge in Japan. They turned it into a sensation here. And people said it couldn't be huge here. Yep. Like, there was a lot of skepticism about Pokemon coming here. Yep, and look at what they've done, and it's still a beast. So, yeah, I think Nintendo is going to flex its marketing muscles and its creative muscles and make Yokai Watch a big hit here in America. I, I write it down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stamp it in the stone. Uh, let's see... Why is the gaming industry trying to ruin itself? Broken games, DLC that should be in the game, microtransaction is full price games. I just get sick of it at times. I don't think it's trying to ruin itself. No. I think the problem is is that there's a lot of greed in the industry. And uh, I, these publishers are trying to make every penny that they can. And look, it's not just video game publishers. It's every major corporation in America. Like, that's the way big companies work. Mm -hmm. They try to find a way to squeeze every penny out of everything that they do. And, you know, video game publishers are big corporations. They're not like your buddy. And yeah. that's one thing that always pisses me off is when people get attached to, like, a video game publisher, even in a lot of cases a video game developer, because at the end of the day, they really don't care about you. They care about your money. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they don't listen to you when you say these microtransactions are a bunch of bullcrap? Because you buy them, and they don't care about what you really think. They care about whether you're going to give them your money or not. So... You know, and because, like, you know, frankly, it, you know, people think about, you know, oh, we pay $60 for these things, $60. Like, games have never been cheaper. Oh, I know. You just for inflation, like, uh, you know, the games used to be, like, 60 70 80 on cartridges back in the 16-bit yep. era. And that, you know, adjusted for inflation translates to, like, 130 bucks. Yeah. Now. I, mean, I mean, games getting... used to literally be double, twice as much as, as they cost now. So, like, part of what you're seeing here is these companies trying to kind of make up that missing that missing money with microtransactions, DLC, etc. Like they're trying to recoup these budgets that are never have never been as big as this before either. Which yep. is also why you've seen kind of the B-list games sort of vanish. Things like Transformers Devastation are miracles today. Like anything like that gets made. Yep. Next question. Apart from games, what's your other hobbies? Uh, well, I collect a lot of plastic robots. Uh, Transformers. I collect Transformers. I watch a lot of movies. I'm a movie. Probably a movie fan. Before I'm a, I'm a yeah, video game you fan. might be yeah. Um, you know more about movies than pretty much anyone I know. Yeah, I mean I, that's that was my first 
And your father not. kind of engendered that. Yeah, injury, my right? dad was a movie. My dad was a movie fan of the point. Like he, if you said the name of a movie, he could tell you the day, date, theater he saw that movie for the yeah. first time. Like it, they were, they were major. Every movie was a major life event for him. So to me, like movies are are kind of like a big. You know, they're they're the they're the touchstone with reality for me. Whereas video games are escapism. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't really have any hobbies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy has sifted that. Maybe you've heard of it. I used to have hobbies before I launched this website. You still keep up with football. Yeah, I mean, look, I play fantasy sports. Um, I'm in like five fantasy football leagues this season, which I've learned is way too much. Yeah, too Um, bad we couldn't talk about the DraftKings scandal. Yeah, it's way too much. And next year, I'll I'll never play in this many leagues again. And I just was it. I did a fantasy hockey draft last night. Um, I only do one of those. Um, I still DJ. I'm still really into music and going out and seeing bands and going to music festivals and stuff like that. But I feel like I'm getting to the age now where I kind of stick out like a sore thumb when I go to those things. <laughs> Creepy so old guy right. so, at the DJ festival. Yeah, so I don't want to get to that place where I'm like the weird guy at those. So I'm, I feel like I'm at the place where I'm going to start cutting myself off from going to stuff like that. But in all honesty, like I play hockey like on the weekends. At least I did until I tore my knee up and my knee's all messed up right now. So... In all honesty, I really have no hobbies right now, Matt. None. <laughs> My whole life is this website. Like, I sleep four hours a night, and I I get, like, six hours on Friday night, but then I work all day Saturday. Um, I have, like, kind of put my foot in the sand, and I'm, like, not working Sundays, so I can watch a little bit of football on Sundays. But otherwise, man, what you see is what you get. I am 1,000% committed to this site. And I think if you start your own company, you kind of have to be, or it's going to fail. So... It's been way harder than I ever thought, I'll say that much, starting my own company. But it has been very rewarding, especially to see Sifted turn into what I hoped it would turn into, which is a place for adults to really enjoy games together and have a sophisticated conversation and uh, engaging conversation. So with all the hard work, it's good to see everything kind of paying off and this pipe dream that I had actually kind of coming to fruition. So let's find one more question. Oh man, there's tons. I'm sorry guys, I can't get to all these. Mm, I want to pick a good one, though. Someone just wrote, thanks, Calvin Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I lost a game on that fumble with the goal line. I lost one of my fantasy games because of that. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. One more. Microtransactions in Destiny? No. Actor Strike? No. Okay, here we go. From Boulevard 33. Question, what will be the first game whose sales slash reception will suffer from open world fatigue? That's a really good Mm. question. Hmm. Open world fatigue. Like, I wonder if, like... I think it's a game that we talked about on the show today. Far Cry Primal. Far Cry? Mm. That is not solely because of open world fatigue, but it's the fact that we will have had, like five or six open world games right in succession and then Mm -hmm. that comes out after the holidays and it's like coming out in february which is a period where people don't traditionally buy a lot of games although that is kind of changing i it could it could i think primal will be like an after the sales kind of thing though for that my get in terms of something that would be hurt by it something where where people would say hey i don't want to do that again i think watchdogs 2 might be your yeah. your breaking point on that. I think Watch Dogs Two might be like people who people who played the first one would maybe even if they liked it would be like 
Uh, I don't think I want to really go through all that again. Like, or maybe you could say that we've already seen it with Assassin's Creed. Actually, maybe the game is Assassin's Creed maybe Syndicate. Maybe Syndicate. It could be. I think that might be it, actually. We'll see. I mean, it's tracking way lower than most Assassin's Creed games. It is. And I mean, hard. part of it might be how buggy Unity was at yeah, first. I, don't, I mean, I don't and... know how much of that is open world fatigue, how much of it is just like there's been one of these games every year or more than one every year for eight years now. Yeah. So. Maybe, maybe we can just agree that it's going to be a Ubisoft game. Yeah, Ubisoft <laughs> seems to be the big assumption here. Yeah, because we, at first I picked they Far Cry, all the time. then you picked Watch Dogs, <laughs> and then we went back to Syndicate. <laughs> Sorry, Ubisoft, Aww. we do love you, and we love most of your games, but it just kind of worked out. I'll, I'll say Just Cause 3, just to get out of the Ubisoft There leagues. you go. Let's do like, we'll okay. beat up on Warner Brothers a little bit. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks to everybody for watching the show. We're kind of back on our normal day again. We 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 yeah. went full circle. And we're back to Thursday. Back around the whole week. <laughs> yeah. Back on the Thursday. But thank you for watching. Thanks for all the great questions. Like I really wish we could have answered a lot more. I see that more are still coming in here. Uh, yeah, they just they keep coming, and they're all really good ones. So I guess what I would say is, if you guys have questions that you want to have answered, like jump in on one of our hangouts. Maybe we'll be doing one on Saturday. Maybe I'll come in here to the studio and uh, hang out with you guys and play a game. Just want to make sure I have something really good and fun. Uh, I just you got... should start trying to finish The Witcher. Yeah, I don't think people <laughs> want to see that, though. That's like yesterday's news. We did just get uh, Yoshi's Woolly World in today mm. and a couple other things. So anyway, just keep an eye on our social media, um, on our Twitter feed or our Facebook page, and I'll let you guys know. But there's a pretty high probability I'll be coming in here on Saturday into the studio to live stream with and for you guys. So... That's it for Game Phase 26. We'll see you here next week. Game Phase is up and out.